What's up viewers and listeners, my name is Jay. I'm a registered nutritionist based here in Bristol, working with BJJ enthusiasts across the globe. On today's episode, we had Joe Foy on the show, a purple belt underneath Jordan Kirk at Elite Jiu-Jitsu in Bridgewater. Joe has competed on multiple invitational shows, such as Grapple Fest, and is due to compete again in July this year, and has multiple first place medals, along with a few shiny absolute belts. In this episode today, we talked about starting Jiu-Jitsu at 120 kilograms, good old gi versus no gi, the pressure of competing, why he's practiced foot sweeps so much, old school versus new school training, building a very reputable jiu-jitsu school, and much, much more. As always, thank you for tuning in. And of course, if you're not subscribed, please click that button and turn on notifications for further posts. Thank you for watching and listening, and let's get into episode number seven. Oos. <laughs> Right, guys, my name is Jay. Uh, welcome to the BJJ Nutrition Podcast. We're on episode seven. Um, for those who don't know, my name is Jay, and obviously I'm a nutritionist based in Bristol, uh, helping jiu-jitsu athletes make weight safely and not doing things silly with their weight cuts, but also helping with their performance. We have our next guest on today, who is Joe Foy. Thanks for coming on here, mate. Um, do you too. want to give yourself an introduction as to where you're from and what you're doing? I'm sure we'll see the sign in the background and give it away a little bit. But Yeah, my name is Joe Foy. I am one half of the coaching staff here at Elite Jiu-Jitsu Somerset. Jordan obviously couldn't make it. He's just gone home after the Sunday sparring open mat. He's not feeling great, but I'm happy to carry on on my own. <laughs> um, we've been there for the last five years, training out of all or nothing gym. And... Yeah, that's probably the best introduction I saw. I'm probably the most Chinese-looking person with the strongest West Country accent you'll ever have so, But it's probably a bit of a switch up for all the viewers. It's all right. Something unique. I think what was now how things are modern-day society of uh, people wanting to be, I don't know, end up identifying as different people. We're, we're covering all Chinese bases. with a Southwest accent. You get your patches golden hand. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, mate. Um, well, obviously, from my perspective, dude, I think I said to you before off, off camera and stuff, I'm probably one of the biggest fans of this gym in general and I think I get verbal diarrhea when everyone says like oh, I'm in the southwest you recommend you I'm like I can't get out fast yeah. enough type thing because of the way you guys train the style that it's like and the fact that let's be real you've just popped out of the scene and are dominating obviously in there I think the first time I saw you guys was at one of the jiu-jitsu competitions obviously you're all the black type rash guards type thing yeah and then it's a big question it's big club turning up and no one's getting in the gear you're like oh they're just no good it's not 10th planet what's this all about type exactly thing. or an mma club and it's like do you guys i know i know you've got some mma guys in the type here just yeah. doing different things but that was really cool obviously got mint on one of your highlight reels james brake i did win the rest of the match by the way so you, don't <laughs> po- so you forget to post the rest of it even if you did that awesome i bet he'll, he'll comment underneath for sure <laughs> yeah. yeah i can't I, i'll hold my hands up it was a wicked <laughs> takedown and i got smashed and i was like all oh, right here we go woke up a bit um, and then, yeah, obviously, you guys have had some wicked call-ups. You've been on some big shows and things like that. But I'm intrigued from my perspective. Where did it all start from? Because, like I said, you just, you just popped out of nowhere. Where did it say it was established? Uh, 2018, yeah. We've got, yeah. It, we've got it on the hoodies. We've updated the hoodies and stuff. Um, I think, in the beginning, going back to when me and Joe used to train together, we, we used to go to the one and only Nogi class, which was in Taunton. And it was a Sunday evening at, like, half six till half seven in the night, just for one hour one session a week and George obviously trained for years and years under Pedro Bessa at the old sweatbox gym yeah. and then George dragged me into jiu-jitsu which was probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me <laughs> but he only wanted to go back to doing nogi yeah and then after going back for the one session a week it just wasn't enough 
And this club, Arthur Meek, who runs this club, All or Nothing, it's an MMA and kickboxing gym. He's been here for, well, he's 60-odd years old. He's been here for 30 years of his life. We came down and asked if we could train in the corner of one of his rooms during one of his sessions. So me and George would come down, we'd spar, just me and him. Literally, I know you can't see it off camera, in, in, a, co in a corner in the room. You could, yeah, no, it's all, uh, but um, Hold on. In, in, that, in that corner of the room, while they'd have kids karate, they'd have kickboxing, they'd have boxing. And me and George would just be wrestling in the corner. And we do that a few times a week. And then I think the same is what happens to a lot of people when jiu-jitsu is in a in a gym with other martial arts is people look people stop what they're doing and they watch Typically and then they'll look over when you're north south yeah yeah, or, yeah <laughs> so, or, or stuck in a triangle yeah. or like and they just get intrigued with what, what's happening so then we went from me and George a couple of the MMA guys would jump in yeah. and then we'd have five then we'd have ten and then we went from the corner of the room to half of the room because Arthur, <laughs> Arthur wasn't willing to give us any more space and then we went from ten people to fifteen people we negotiated a time slot that we would do a class down there on a Wednesday evening, which was seven till half eight. So then we added one more session. So we had the Wednesday and the Sunday over in Taunton still. And then we get more members and more members and more members and more members. Until nice. now, I think we've got 70 members. So big. then we've, we've carried on taking over time slots. We've got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday open right now. So we're running five sessions a week. I love that. We've gone from strength to strength. Like you say about the competitions. We try and attack competitions as a team. I know you see all the Drake guys. They pack as many people in as they can for, yeah. for team medals, which was exactly what we wanted to do. Obviously, we're not on the same scale, but for a competition like the Somerset Open, for us to take 15, 20 guys that all place medal, it all counts as points on the, on the thing. So we're yeah. all turning up in our black, black and grey. Everyone walks in and hoods up, and it's just everyone <laughs> sees it. and just It's not the intimidation factor, nah, but it's, it's, it's good to see that we're part of a team. <laughs> I don't see that walking like Star Wars. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dodgeball, yeah. <laughs> you can get yourself some headbands. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> I think, again, it's the black and grey that people... I know it's, like, it's really, like we've got a really basic rash guard, but I think it's something that people can see, people resonate with, just because it's so plain. It's, you see, I'm not disrespecting any of the multicoloured rash guards, but something plain is just easy. People recognise it. Yeah. Well, mate, like I said, I think your results speak for yourself, and obviously that's what's drawn people, obviously, to you guys, and, and, and to put it in a nutshell, because obviously... I think for the location that you're in, obviously you've got a few other bigger gyms probably based down more Taunton where I imagine. Yes, probably. Yeah, we go Taunton, we go Bristol. I take zero credit, by the way, for the level of the people here. George has been one of the the staples in even my jiu-jitsu. Like, I, he'll, he'll hate me saying this. This is why him not being here is probably worse because he can't check me for what I say. <laughs> you know, like, if, if the way I always describe it is if you buy a Mars bar in a supermarket and it's a Mars bar and then you go to Aldi and you buy a Mars bar, I am the Aldi Mars bar between me and George. So, <laughs> so like, if so, you... Hold on, is it, I think it's called Titan Bar. Yeah, right? exa I mean, exactly, exactly. I am bar. the Titan <laughs> So if, if you watch the jiu-jitsu, I am just a knockoff version of George's jiu-jitsu. But it, it snowballs down onto the club. I coach a couple nights a week. George has his style of coaching. I'm way more vocal because I have to make up with my lack of technical ability with shouting. Whereas George is quiet, he's stoic. Yeah. Like every, he walks on the mats and people are quiet. I walk on the mats and I've got to tell people to do what they've got to do. But <laughs> it, it works well. We're, we're like the, almost the perfect pair in regards to coaching. Good so it. Yeah, it, very much, very much so, very much so. <laughs> Nah, well, like I said, at the end of the day, like I said, you guys have made a real big statement, obviously, within the community, obviously, down here. You're getting invited, obviously, to big shows, obviously. Um, Jordan, unfortunately, I'm sure we'll comment on the next time we come down here about his unfortunate event with, yeah. uh, with Grapple Fest, where he was dominating for the majority of the match. Nine, and then... nine minutes and 40 seconds it was, yeah. and then he just gets caught at the end. And he's like, 
you know when you lose a match and everyone comes up to you and says, oh, you've done really well, oh, you've done really, oh, it was a really good match. You just know not to speak to him because you can see in his eyes he's just thinking, don't speak to me. Just give me 10 minutes to just recoup. And, like, there's, you can't, he had his opponent swap. There's no, it's no excuse because he was winning the match, but it's just, it's just one of those things. Like, if you go back to the show Grapple Wars, I just fought on Grapple Wars. I got put to sleep in front of a crowd of X amount of people. Did you, know not, did you not watch I it? Didn't, I, like, you know, I, I, on I, the I jigsaw match that you were talking about. Oh, God. Jumping triangle. I had my opponent swapped on the day. Oh, shot him for a single leg, jumps a triangle, and I'm fighting out of it for two minutes, and I get put to sleep. I wake up, and I'm on my back. <laughs> but you, you go, it's just, it's just one of those things that happens, yeah. and you just carry on. I've had it before, where I think, obviously, I've um, I think one ref in particular, when I got put to sleep in a competition environment, and he goes, oh, you went out, mate. I said, oh, I didn't think I was winning from this. This was my first response. It's, but... the, it's the embarrassment of getting woken up, and you've got another bloke holding your legs above your head yeah. in front of people. <laughs> Hold on, am I still in the jiu-jitsu? Yeah, barrel? exactly. Something else going on. Someone put some in my drink type thing. But hey, look, I, I know from again my personal experience. Obviously, you're well more rehearsed than I am, and that type of thing that you'll learn pretty quickly that that submission will stay rent free in your head for a little while, and you oh. probably drilled the escapes probably twenty times over. Right, I'll give I'll give someone some light. It was a Somerset Open. Um, I don't know if I should. It sounds like I'm bragging. Like foot sweeps have been a big thing for me in my oh, jujitsu over over oh. over the last. I would say two or three years at least, it was the final of the Somerset Open and I fought a bloke called Chris Hedges. I don't know if he'll watch this. I hope he does because I'm giving him props. He posted a foot sweep that he did on me to take me down. He armbarred me in the end. But every morning I'd wake up, obviously you go to the toilet first thing in the morning, sit on the toilet, you're tired. And I'd go onto his Instagram, this sounds horrific, and I'd watch the, him foot sweeping me every morning. And I watched it every morning for about two years as I was practicing foot sweeps and it was just foot sweeps, foot sweeps. And that, he is the main reason that I'd gone so deep into, into learning <laughs> foot sad. sweeps. It's, it doesn't haunt me so much now because I can catch him, but for about two years, every morning, I would watch that same clip. <laughs> I love that. I think I was going to say, obviously, the last competition that you did prior to grapple was Devon Open, wasn't it? I yeah, Devon Open, yeah. Yeah, and like I said, you're, <laughs> if you wanted like a, a highlight reel for like, I don't know, like a BJJ fanatics, you know, like how to foot sweep. <laughs> I know the guy you foot sweeped as well, obviously he's from Impact Gym, a guy called James. James Amos, yeah, Amos, fought yesterday yeah. on Victory. Really, yeah, really nice, really, really nice, nice guy work. and everything. But the way you did it, like technically, he literally like, he couldn't get his legs any higher. Do you know what I mean? In terms of that, and like, I think where was I? I was in I was in Chepstow at the time of a horse show, and I was, I was showing my friend Mike, who um, competes at Olympia and MMA, was predominantly uh, jiu-jitsu and stuff. And he was like, "Fair play, that's like perfect techers from start to finish type thing." But the, the good thing is with foot sweeps for content and social media is because they take about three seconds, and the effect that they give is perfect for short clips, isn't it? You yeah. only have to post five <laughs> seconds. Like, the, the rest of the match doesn't necessarily... I did it exactly the same for the Grapple Wars one. I lost the match. I only posted the foot sweep. Like, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure Mark won't mind me saying this. I felt bad from obviously after he, he, he congrats to him obviously in getting into the qualifier for the uh, British Open and yeah. stuff like that and obviously going up against Shane Curtis of all people which was a bit First awkward. round. First round of all people and then um, yeah on top of it then the highlight reel from, from there the first one was him getting guillotined by Shane. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I felt so bad from him. I was like well you've made the highlight reel exactly. but it's not on the right It's exactly, exactly the same as Grapple first with Jordan um, his toehold dominating the whole match the highlight reel they use is him getting caught with the yeah. The, the toehold so it's like we've had it with a few like we've had one guy you know Will Southern from guessing yeah yeah yeah, yeah, so yeah definitely Will had a highlight cart like um, cartwheel in one of the Polaris matches we've obviously one season of Polaris and the next season yeah. he's in the highlight reel being caught in a hill hit by Owen exactly. Jones and it's just like uh, it just it, it's uh, how can I put it it's like motivation you know, how, how quickly it, gum, it comes it can also go very quickly exactly and it's the same thing in terms of highlights it's the stuff. nature it's the nature of the internet at the moment and it's short form content is yeah. what everyone wants for, for scrolls so like for, for anything, anything they just they'll, they'll take the tiniest bit and they'll just 
push it as much as they can. Which, well, actually, we'll, we'll come on to that in a bit. Obviously, that may be the reason, obviously, for what I'd say is probably more of a shift towards the Nogi scene with it being a bit more fast-paced, but we'll, we'll bring it up in just a second. I was going to say, obviously, you've competed lots. Where has your weight been? What's gone on with it? You've gone up, you've gone down, stay the same. I've gone, me, me and Joel were heavily into lifting weights when we were coming out of school. It was all we did. I, I more so have lost... We were both. I started off jujitsu at 120 kilos. You wouldn't believe I could show you. I could. I could show you. For, I don't know whether. It, try. Can I? Can I get yeah, my go on You weren't like. It. If I can find it. Were you about to go on? Like, I don't. Like if I show you the photo, that was me when I started jujitsu. Do I need to show it to the camera? Or do <laughs> you're, I, like, you're cool, mate. Like, if you want to put it. How, you, t- you tell me when. <laughs> if that. That was when I started jiu-jitsu. Whoa. So, <laughs> I've, I've actually, I'm actually fighting now the lightest I've ever been, and probably my detriment, because as you get lighter, as all of you know, jiu-jitsu gets more technical. And I learned jiu-jitsu from a big strongman's perspective, which was Kimura's head and arm chokes, top pressure. And the lighter I go, it's more legs, inversion, stuff like that, which actually goes against me, because I'm now having to learn it further on down the line, which isn't bad for my jiu-jitsu, but you're going against people that have been learning it from the start. Mm. My game is still top pressure. The club's style is probably wrestling and top pressure, which is a benefit. But a hundred times better for cardio. My cardio's sharp at the moment, I'd say. But yeah, doing jujitsu at 120, I say, 120 kilos. I, I do one round in, three rounds out. One <laughs> round, one. <laughs> God, no. So your weight obviously has gone down from 120 to where you're at at the moment now. I so. wake up in the morning at about 83 kilos. Okay. So I so my my, be, my best weight is probably not. I, the 91 bracket was always best for me. I've gone down because I took the last grapple uh, grapple fest match at 82. Okay. So that was the only reason that I came all the way down. And now I just I sit around it. So I'm I'm quite comfortable. Nice man. So obviously 40 kilograms difference didn't happen overnight. When did when did we start making a shift down? Was it did you have any sort of like light bulb moments to kind of say yeah I'm gonna have to change this up or did it happen naturally? Or? I st- I stopped lifting weights completely for a while, just because. All of my energy was being zapped through my arms, through my legs, through my chest, through my shoulders. The, the lactic acid buildup during jiu-jitsu was... And I just found the second that I stopped lifting weights, doing more cardio, my jiu-jitsu started improving. Mm. I still, I still uh, retained quite a lot of the strength. I had a lot of strength that I didn't need when I was lifting weights that much. Yeah. So now I came away from it, changed my diet. I'm not the best at, at diets. I eat reasonably clean a lot of the time. Weekend, weekends are... The weekends, which are, me and my girlfriend go out for food a lot and stuff like that. But yeah, that's pretty normal. I just, I'm not overly strict, but I'm not down the other side where I'm eating McDonald's every day. Yeah, you know, like so. It's just <clears throat> so. When, when in terms of moving that weight down from 120, was there you did the first competition, then you kind of said, "All right, cool, we're going to move down." So obviously, you would have been the ultra. I went ultra, yeah. I went, and then I I carried on going until I was at night. I I was 97. And then I still thought 97, all these people are either six foot five or people that don't want to cut weight that are six foot five wide. Yep. So like I was a bit more athletic build <clears throat> and a bit quicker, which was fine, but I still wanted to go down. 91 was my sweet spot, really. Yeah. And like I said, the only reason I came down again was, was for super fights or matches, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, okay, cool. So obviously with the weight shift then, obviously it's happened over, over time type thing. Would you, so this might be good if anyone's sort of listening, was it the fact that you'd sign up to a competition to then kind of, I, I'm now going to go into this to try and get under? Uh, yes, it 100%. If, if, I, if I didn't have the motivation of a competition to lose weight or to gain weight, either way, I wouldn't bother. I would have just sat where I am comfortably. I don't, I don't necessarily look at competitions, and I try and push this on all of the students as well. 
to enter at the weight they are, and not especially people that are doing their first, second, third competitions. Sure. They're, not, they're not being paid. They're not being paid to compete. So why do they need to worry so much about? They, they should be doing it for fun and the experience. Obviously, super fights are different. If you get a shot on a show that you need to lose or gain a bit of weight for, you're going to do it. Yeah. Even though we don't get paid for it, still. But the exposure and the opportunity for the show is is, wor is worth the weight change. It's one of those extreme things. I think obviously, I think I'd put it on my stories a few a few months back, a few weeks back, um, where Daisy Fresh, obviously, I think the new season come out, and Jade took out, which ended up shifting fourteen point seven kilograms in three days. Down. Yeah. yeah so what show you said? And he was like, "This is." But he was like, "Oh, this is going to go on to." It was going. I think it was a competition where like all of them, like he had everyone, like all the big names on the show and everything, was getting money for it. Exactly. Like that. And he's like, "That's the reason why I did it." And like, oddly enough, I bumped into him after saying this a week later at Grapple Fest. I was like, "Hey, mate, <laughs> this is a bit awkward type of thing." Exactly. But he was again. He had a purpose behind it. Obviously, within this hobbyist environment, first few competitions, I try and say to everyone, look. Don't give a fuck about your weight. I don't think so. Like, just go and enjoy it for what it is, type of thing. And I think he was even speaking to a, I think it was Ethan earlier actually, he was saying about where he is in terms of his weight and stuff. And I said, well, look, when you break it down, I obviously did a story on this the other day, and it was the case of, let's say you're at 91 or you could be under 97, yeah? I said, if you're floating at 92 or 93 type thing, you think, oh, the sweet spot's being 91. I said, well, look, technically, when you look on SmoothCom, averagely, most people weigh under by about 1.5 to 2 kg. Exactly. You take that off 97, 1.5, what we're looking at, 95.5 all of a sudden, you're telling me you're worried about three, three and a key, half, three, three kilos. Key, yeah. Yep. Like, you could get paired up someone in the gym who's a bit bigger than you, you still absolutely dominate them. Exactly. And you're telling me you're scared of three kilograms type thing. It's, like. more, it's, it's more, I, I think it's more for the lighter weights. I look down to the lighter end of the gym for some reason, like, <laughs> uh, like they're still here. But um, you have the lighter guys. There's more of a difference in the weight for the lighter guys and strength balance because the heavier guys are either going to be more agile and stronger. It's, it's a battle of takedowns. But for the lighter guys, you might have some a different build who's skinnier, still quite heavy tool, but isn't strong, whereas you might have someone who's short, a little bit stockier, with all of the strength. I think the, like, the strength and the weight is worse for the lighter guys than it is the heavier guys. You're always, like, the heavier guys are going to go head to head. Mm. The lighter guys, it could be a battle of one of them lifts weights, the other one doesn't. And yeah. that's when I think you need to think about weights. And that's where I think you think they need to add lifting weights into their program as well as jujitsu. It's interesting, you've got two open end, ends of the spectrum. You've got lifting weights to the lighter guys, heavier guys, get your cardio. Exa exactly, for sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's always one of those joys there thinking, okay, how am I going to optimize it as best as possible for it? So with you, competitions came up, you shifted obviously a bit of weight and stuff like that and everything, which is pretty cool. You mentioned obviously diet-wise, was the diet a little bit more dialed in, obviously when it came to that? Was it just less eating out on the weekends? Was that as simple as it was? Or Like I said, yeah, it's, it's, it's more just not, not binging on the weekends. Like I say, through the week, I'm reasonably clean. It's chicken just ba just basic not normal like clean food vegetables and stuff like that my my downfall is the weekends when it comes to the weekend that I'll, i will binge really badly but <laughs> at the same time the amount that i train i think we do six days a week i still need to be putting calories into me yes, to be able to I, I go down almost the first grapple fest i did really badly i almost cut out not cut out eating but i was eating one meal a day and i ended up ill just from training six nights hard, yeah. lift, lifting weights as well, nothing inside me. And then and you end up going on the route of getting a fever and mm. just being ill. You're just tired. Your body's not getting anything. And not then you end up spending well. two weeks off the mat from not fueling your body well enough to, to train as hard as we train it. That's interesting. I'm, thanks for sharing that mm. as well, dude. Because obviously I'm sure there's other people out there listening, obviously, for that type of thing. And I think 
the biggest thing which people don't understand obviously for this is that yes obviously if we're not having all the calories in obviously just to fuel ourselves you're giving your central nervous system extra stress as well exactly and on top of that as we've all seen and central nervous system can get affected by just work stress alone yep. yeah and then that in itself obviously can just shut you down and you completely just written off and that's it mate and the pressure like the pre- the pressure of even thinking about like the first time any of us have done anything like this george fought on a couple of shows before but none as big as grapple fest and you're thinking about grapple like We've got people with different mindsets. This was another thing that I was going to talk about. I hate competition. I hate local competitions. I hate IBJJF competitions. I hate super fights just because I hate competing. I hate the confrontation. I, the, the pressure of it almost crumbles me inside. And like I push so hard for everyone to compete here because I know how well yeah. they will do when they compete. Yeah. And... It's almost a massive contradiction because I hate it. I, I, I like, can I swear? I shit yeah, my pants. Yeah. Well, the, the, like, it's the same for anyone. The second you press pay on Smooth Comp, all of, like, all of the fun in jiu-jitsu goes away for me yeah. because I'm dragging myself to the gym knowing that I could potentially lose and be embarrassed on the mat in front of my club, in front of my team, in front of my family. Mm. And then training becomes not a chore, but not a job, like... It, it just it, it saps the, the fun it yeah. saps the fun out of it like I I, that it. sounds really negative I, I love I am more relieved when the competition is over win or lose obviously a win is is fucking brilliant a loss I've learned to lose better if that makes sense than yeah. when I did in the beginning but it's just one of those things like the pressure is horrific and that affects that is stressful I think that is a, a big stressful but I think from your standpoint though obviously having Jordan above, again above you in terms of sort of that, that structure and everything yeah. he's probably thinking the exact same thing for you he wants you to go out and compete he wants you to do well he knows your potential and that, as you just kind of mentioned about the students in the club you want them to compete yeah the for sure like and so on so and th- this goes back to the whole Mars bar and Titan thing when, <laughs> when we first came back to Jiu-Jitsu Jordan went on an absolute tear for about three years of just double gold in Every competition we go to, double goal, double goal, double goal, gi, no gi, double goal. And he just, he just, he was just running through absolutely everyone. And then I'm there competing. It'd be nice to just win a match. (laughs) (laughs) And then come for, but like, and then, but then wins come, wins come, wins come. Like they say that you train with the best, you're going to be the best. It's not necessarily the same in jiu-jitsu, but we've just got a really tight knit team of, of people that want to win, yeah, which is like, honestly which is the community in this club obviously is fantastic in the sense that everyone wants everyone to push as hard as possible type thing and just want everyone to level up type thing, which is just great, mate. And I think you're right in terms of like winning golds and stuff like that. <laughs> I had a, a phase obviously in my earlier earlier career of competing and stuff where every time I'd lose out on gold by one place, I'd get silver, the girl on the podium got promoted straight away. Yeah. And I'm like, for fuck's yeah. sake, this happened again. <laughs> this happened to like three matches, on, like three like comps on the trot. And I was like, when's it going to be my moment? When am I going to get my exactly. time type thing? And then it happened. And then in typical, I think two weeks later, I got my promotion. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, I've got to go back yeah. to this. <laughs> back to this drawing board type thing. But but how good was that feeling? Yeah. Like, it was good. Like I literally had my, like, had a couple of injuries and stuff like that, which prevented, obviously, you have to got the good old finger here. Oh, which is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always have this joke with my friends on, on a sat nav on BMWs. It says slightly left. I'm like, yeah, there we go. <laughs> slightly left. <laughs> but was it, was it a relief for you? I know I'm not in your interview with me, but was, yeah, it, was, yeah, it a, okay. was it a relief when you won? Yeah, massively. Because it was like, for me, I'd put in, like, my first starting point in terms of like training for competitions was that I think, because uh, I, I always float between masters and adult depending on who's Same. going, basically. I, I do as well. Yeah. It just, it, I'd rather have, well, one, I try and miss off people that I've already rolled with, because yeah. again, or again, people that I know from certain clubs, because not necessarily because I don't want to roll with them, it's like, I'd rather roll 
it's like, sounds stupid, if I was to come and sing Bracket as you, for example, yeah. I would potentially move down because I know you and I don't like that awkwardness yeah. in that sense because I'd rather just have a bit of fun on the map type thing yeah. and have to pay that. That's but a big problem that we have here as well. I can like imagine. With, with the, sorry, man, I'm interrupting. Yeah, with, 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 with the same, we've got a lot of heavier guys, so they all sit from 85 all the way up to over 100. Yeah. So they're all in the same brackets together, so we tried our best to split masters and adult, but we always end up having... Someone. Guys fight each other. Yeah. Ultimately, <clears throat> they get put at the opposite side of the brackets. We've actually had a couple of finals where we've had two elite people fight each other in weight and absolute, and both one's taken gold in weight, one's taken gold in the absolute. So it's worked oh, cool. out. It's worked out all right, luckily. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that was it. It'd be moving around that and that type of thing. And then for me, it was the case of right. Okay, if I'm going to come against the masters, we're going to have a few hobbyists in here. Some again, not to stereotype it. Some dads with their kids who are doing it all that type of stuff. Yeah, right. Sure. And I was like, right, okay. I've done a lot of crossfit before, I've done a bit of bodybuilding before, that type of thing. I've got athletic capability there. I got, I'm in a position to train six times a week minimum to compare to the three-day-a-week hobbyists yeah. who then will, I mean, like, for every one week of session they're doing, I'm now doubling that. And that's even, like, 12 weeks out. And then, obviously, they'll only build it up to there. So, I was like, right, let's just do that. And, obviously, put in a grind, put in extra cardio, put in extra, like, workouts. So, do you know Trojan Gym in Bristol? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do their circuits and stuff like that. Go to extra sessions on top of it, open mats, that type of thing. And it comes to competition, I'm like, right. I've put in the shift now. I can't see anything else much more I can do other than adding yeah. in more sessions, see how it goes. And then it happened. I was like, we got there finally. Like, and the, the awkward thing was, I think the guy that I won the gold against was an ex-client of mine. As well. Was he? Yeah. And was, was he like, happy for you though? Yeah, he was happy. Yeah. Really, really cool guy and stuff like that. And like, we still chat and stuff and everything. He's doing his own thing. And I was just like, right. Because I didn't, again, I was like, oh God, I don't want to match him first type thing. So no, you know, as not as you go on smooth comp, you start researching everyone on there. Like, I do, exactly. I'm the worst for it. <laughs> I, f I think when you win medals, it, and it is the number one, what's the word? Like, backup that all of the hard work that everyone puts in every week mm. comes to fruition. Not saying that losing is any different, but to have some, I know like you pay 50 quid nowadays or sometimes 70 quid to enter a competition where they spend 20 quid on 500 medals to mm. come away with a gold medal. But like a lot of people dedicate a lot of their time, a yeah. lot of their life, a lot of their money to come in and train. And for them to get something back that they've worked probably harder than they'll ever work for anything else physically in their life for, yeah is probably the best feeling that they'll ever have. It, like you see the, the day of the competition, everyone puts up a photo of their medal one and you just know that they've worked their asses off yeah. to win that one medal that they've trained for for the last five years or five sessions a week for. And it's just like, it's like a proud, like, I don't know from a coaching perspective, it's like a proud dad moment. Yeah, it? 100%. Like, well, I could shit on Mark and be like, you can go up to IBGF and uh, Ireland and have your guy, I know you guy, just stare at you from the opposite side of the mat and go, I'm not going on. Like, yeah, exactly. Tom's face, he's loving it. But it's true though, it's true. Like that, you get the, you get those moments where you put the shift in and I, and I think that's the most rewarding thing. And then even then, someone even said this to me before and I kind of take it on board, is that, you could put in the biggest shift ever, but to some degree, it just needs to come together on the day. On the day, for sure, 100%. Yeah. It like, can make or break you in the sense that, like, I know you've got some guys competing down in Devon at uh, Cornwall, I think. Yeah, today, to me yeah, earlier and stuff. Stuff. And I was just saying, oh, mate, good luck and everything. Go smash, steamrolling. <laughs> his last clip from that. Oh, well, where he, where <laughs> he, he knocked someone the, out. Knocked the bloke out. <laughs> he banged his head on the floor. Jesus oh, Christ. Okay. He was lucky there was no one on the mat next to him because they would have got squashed. Oh, exactly. That was hilarious. <laughs> but even then, like, he was saying about other competitions, he's not being good and that type of thing on the lead up to a mm. and stuff like that. But again, even today, like, wishing him all the best and everything. But it could be the fact that, do you know what? Because he's felt good this week. Exactly. He may not get the result exactly. because. 
he's had to go through a different level of hardship on the lead up to it all of a sudden. Yeah. So you just never know. But no, that's it goes cool. to the same as training as well, doesn't it? Like you could like the days that you've had a shit day at work and that you're thinking I'm not gonna train tonight, but you drag yourself to the session could be the best session that you have all week. Yeah. Or like you could drive to the gym in the best mood ever, singing in your car to all the songs you got on your playlist, thinking this is going to be the best session. And you come in and get absolutely <laughs> smashed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, and just, get, and just get destroyed. Well, mate, I was having a great time on the way to driving there this morning. Yeah, exactly. This is absolutely great. 20 seconds in, I rolled my fucking ankle. For anyone who wants exactly. to see this, one's a hell of a lot chunkier. And I was just like, Jesus Christ. I even said to Tom, I think, I was saying like, it'd be really awkward doing a podcast with an injury of some sort. And I'm like, yeah. I couldn't do that. Well, at least we sat down. Well, yeah, <laughs> doing all right so far. Just throbbing like hell, but it is what it is. It'll, uh, it'll I just do. think that my, like, mind, mindset for jiu- like it's definitely for me, mindset is 99% of my jiu-jitsu, in my opinion. Like, yeah. like, not that I don't think that I'm capable, but in my head, thinking about competing and thinking about rounds is my number one downfall I can go into a round with someone that I've rolled with 50 times that I'll beat mm. and think to myself I'm going to lose this round just every round thinking I'm going to lose this round I'm going to get some, like and I don't know what it is I don't know what the trigger is in my head yeah. like we've got other guys in the gym Josiah is a perfect example goes to every competition with I'm going to smash everyone not that that's not a bad he's like I'm, I'm just, no. and, he, and, he, and he rolls in the gym like he's going to beat everyone yeah. and he's one of the toughest rounds in the gym blue belt absolute killer but it's just the difference in in people, some people are like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to do very well or I'm going to lose. Whereas he is just confident, confident, confident. Yeah. George's always quietly confident. You never hear George say if he's going to win or lose. But he, he knows in himself when he goes on that he's done all the work and then whatever happens, happens. I don't know. It's just yeah. a difference in people. It's interesting because, like I said, we've interviewed a few different people. And obviously, Shane brought this up quite a few times that he got a mental performance coach. And then yeah, the exactly. fact that he got that on board, and it just seems, obviously, again, as the game is evolving, that people are then getting sort of teams around them type of stuff to sort of help them with that, where you've got people now getting nutritionists, S&C coaches, yeah. mental performance coaches. Um, you could probably even get into some people like with breath work and all that type of yeah, stuff. You can sure. really get expanded into it. But... <laughs> It's interesting you say about that mindset side of things. Again, obviously, um, yeah, it obviously can play a big part. Is you're right. Obviously, you're going to think you're not going to win. Has that actually happened to you where you think you're not going to win and it hasn't happened and it, you've actually gone and won the match? Every competition that I do, I probably say. I don't, like I said, I, I, I always go... I never go to a comp thinking I'm going to win. As by, and that... George will hate me saying that because, like... Well, dude, let's be like, honest. Devon Open, you they walk around with the absolute belt. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, <laughs> like, and that's and that's why I say the relief, the relief afterwards that it's over, win or lose, is better for me than, than the win. Know. That sounds like I don't appreciate it, doesn't it? But like, I don't know what it is. It's just a, it's just a strange thing that I've always had. Even if I go to yeah. an open mat at Pedro's when we go, or like when we go, I think. I'm gonna get smashed today. Like, to, I still, or even like, I come here on a Sunday and I'm watching the guys walk in. and I'm thinking, Jesus, this is gonna be a tough session today. I'm gonna get smashed today. Like, <laughs> I don't like. I've obviously got techniques that I work on and that I want to work on, yeah. but like, I, it's just, I don't know what it is. It's just the mindset. No. Not that I'm an unhappy person either, because I love coming down here and training. It's just like, it's, it's just one of those. Th- it's just one of those things. Interesting. I think once I think I got heard something the other day, and it was the fact that if you are concerned about the end result, i.e., failure, winning, or something like that, well, more so failure, it shows that you care about the result more so than anything else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's probably right. That pressure, you need that pressure there because if you didn't have that pressure in the first place, then why the fuck are you competing? There yeah. To why begin am I? With? Why like, am I putting myself through it to even like? Yeah. For a, for any kind of result, yeah. I don't go to a competition hoping that I lose. 
I, I go to a competition hoping that I win. <laughs> you just kind of then <laughs> let on the floor. Yeah. Like, right, okay. <laughs> just like score some points on me or just yeah. take my foot off. But Could no. you bring in Neo on the hair? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. No, I don't go to a competition hoping I'm going to lose. I just... Have that fear. It's, just, it's like the fear of doing it is... Yeah. Oh, is more overwhelming than anything else. But maybe that comes in, in, I don't know, contribution with how well the club's doing. Yeah, because obviously you're representative obviously of the club and that type of stuff. And I think then all of a sudden you want to you do the best for the club. You want to obviously keep that reputation going. Because, again, as you mentioned, you're somewhat of an independent gym. Do you know what I mean? And yes. it's just in the case of then obviously just trying to put the name out there. And it's the same thing with this brand, with my other companies and that type of stuff, is that you just want to be known as the best in the area. Exactly. That was 100% what we wanted to do. Like you say about the hoodies, it's nice that you've got the hoodies. Yeah. The hoodies is like hoodies and t-shirts shirts are such a small touch that I don't know why any local gym, any new start in business, because it's free advertising. Yeah. People, people that train here always want to be a part of a club. It's, it's the whole tribal, like the whole being a part of something is a massive thing. Just, cult, I was going to, I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> Gracie, no, Maha, here we go. <laughs> and like, but you, you chuck the, you you the, the guys a t-shirt, you chuck them a hoodie, especially where we work at Hinkley Point. We've got a lot of Hinkley Point workers that, that come and train. They always want a hoodie to wear to work. They've got a hoodie, they wear it around, everyone's yeah. like, oh, you train jiu-jitsu. Someone that, does, someone that has moved away from home to work sees the hoodie and thinks, oh, there's a jiu-jitsu club around here. Yeah. So they ask them, they come through, we get new members. It's just, it just builds it. It's free advertising for yeah. people. It's something I've always worked on. It's a word called Omnipresence, which I got from a guy called Grant Cardo. Never heard of him at all. No, no. I've, so. I've heard of the word because I used to use it when I used to play Xbox when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Grant Cardo is kind of like a salesman. It's like Gary, um, Gary Vaynerchuk type, yeah, of thing, Gary type person, mm. but this guy's uh, American and stuff. A little bit over the top with certain things, but his idea was Omnipresence. I want to be everywhere, everywhere, all the fucking time. Yeah. So that when people think of, for me, obviously, nutritionist, they think, Jay, right, that's who I'm going to speak exactly. to. Exactly. Kind of and the Perfect. same thing, obviously, for jiu-jitsu for this area. Same for us. I get verbal diary that said, elite, oh, I can't see out of fucking quick enough exactly. type of thing. But we want people to see the elite in the black and grey and think, nogi. Yeah. Like, it's not even about jiu-jitsu. It's no, like, we had Brazilian jiu-jitsu in the beginning. We've taken the Brazilian and just changed it to nogi BJJ. Like, it's not, not as in that we disrespect the Brazilians, but we just want to be known as progressive. Like, the way that Joe teaches all of the techniques, everything. We'd... It sounds like I'm going to slate old school jiu-jitsu, but like you go to clubs with old coaches, not that that's bad, that are teaching techniques from 50, however many years ago, that yeah. haven't moved with, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with. Mm. Like you can, go to a session, you can go to a session and learn a basic armbar every week for the rest of your life if you want, yep. fine. Or you can learn, learn how to leg pummel, body lock pass, HQ passing, all of the techniques that are, that are working at the highest level with yeah. the best people, which is what you need to do if you want to compete at the highest level. <laughs> Happens to me earlier. I literally, I think it was again rolling with Ethan briefly, and then he obviously uh, was doing the typical body lock class with the shelf in the leg and everything yep. like that. And he was doing it to me. I was like, I normally do this to fucking everyone. Like, exactly. What the fuck's going on here? Exactly. Like, it's, uh, yeah, but you're very much right in terms of you've got to be current. I think it's a big red flag in the sense, I think I said to you earlier, obviously, with some other stuff, the fact that if you believe that your method is the only method and that is the best way, then big red flag. You're wrong, like, you're wrong. Instantly. I, I you're, think it's wrong. They're, they're developing, like you've got Mikey Musumeshi coming out like, oh yeah, I've developed a new leg lock technique. And you're like, I, I, you, you come into this game thinking that actually, hold on, we've got everything covered. Why is there new stuff being developed? Exactly. Which and, I th <laughs> and it goes to the same, uh, the coaching style of me and Jord. Like we will look at a lot of the same techniques. Jord will teach it in a, the most cerebral way you'll ever see. Which, <laughs> yeah, except, no, but it's, it's true. He is exactly like that. And then I will teach it in a more basic way 
how I've learned it and grasped it. Some people may like one, some people may like the other, but they pick up points from both mm. and then blend the both. It's just what jujitsu is. Jujitsu is just essentially copying the best person yeah. and passing it down. That, that's literally what it is. But at the same time, like you said, the best word that you used was current. Current is the best word, and you need to keep current in jujitsu, otherwise you'll get left behind. It's interesting, we're talking of current stuff. You guys have had quite a heavy wrestling focus, if I'm honest, like to the point where, again, get my verbal diarrhea of this place basically carrying mm. on all the time. I speak to everyone, oh, you guys do flow wrestling rounds. Yeah, you do just pure king of the hill wrestling towards the end of yep. the session and that type of stuff. I've not come across a jiu-jitsu school that does that as such. And I was like, was it kind of a staple when you guys came here? Like, right, we're gonna other than you and your lovely corner over there, yeah. trying to phone box wrestling, basically. But we, like me and George, just sat and we, everyone used to wrestle as a kid, right? In school, like on the field, you'd always have winner stays on who can wrestle, yeah. and it was ultimately one person was always better than everyone else. Or like, and even with jujitsu. Sounds stupid again, like I'm a master of jiu-jitsu. But where does every jiu-jitsu fight start? Obviously, you've got guard pullers. Everyone starts on the feet. Wrestling is the number one thing that is neglected out of all of jiu-jitsu at every club. For any club that tells you to start on your knees, I think they're taking a massive backward step when it comes to pushing their, their people to compete. They shouldn't be telling their people to compete unless they're going to pull guard. Because you, some fights at the highest level... I'm going to bring Mark into it. Mark, obviously, Mark Hibbs. Yep. If the, the second he takes you down, a lot of the time, you're going to be on the bottom for the rest of that round. Yeah. So, like, he's a 100-kilo absolute monster. If he takes you down, you've lost two points if it's IBJJF. If it's sub only, you're going to be on the bottom for the rest of the round. Mm. The wrestling is so important. The flow wrestling rounds are more we use as a warm-up for grip fighting, which is another thing that is massively under underused in jiu-jitsu. The importance of grips, collar ties, wrist grips, beating elbows is huge. So we tend to do more of the serious wrestling at the end, but the beginning is perfect just to be comfortable on the feet. Mm. If you watch someone who's never wrestled before that trains jiu-jitsu, even just try and move around on their feet, they look awkward. They look like you could shoot a double leg on them and take them down straight away. So it's just having the, the presence of knowing where to move your feet, knowing where to put your hands in the yeah. flow of wrestling rounds. I just think... Everyone, everyone is missing a trick by not wrestling at their gyms. No, it makes sense. <laughs> when obviously I moved to RGA and that type of stuff, where like, again everything starts on the feet. Yeah, right, to the point. And I was just like, cool, this is fine. I'm like, all happy with that. And I, I can say my confidence within stand up. Don't get me wrong, I'm no fucking expert in the slightest bit. But it, then I just felt more comfortable, especially within the competition environment, as you said. Because guess what? Like, if you're in the gay, fine. You might pull guard, absolutely no problem. But yeah. in no gay you're, well, either you're overly confident in the sense that younger Paul Garden just to see a butt, butt skewer over type exactly. thing. Which at the lower belt level is like, okay, you got your straight foot lock in there type of thing and you can go for single leg X or something, which again, I'm going to hold my hand up, it's my personal favourite. But the idea being is that you've got to, you, you just, as you mentioned, you're just missing out on something completely. And, and, how, it, and how many times in competition do you see Again, at the heavier weights, same at the lighter weights, do you see someone slap a heavy collar tie on and the other bloke just goes, right, I'm going to stick a collar tie on and they're both just collar tying each other <laughs> and they're both just going backwards and forwards until they're both tired after four minutes. Yeah. And then that's the match. Yeah. Like, you need to know how to beat, to beat collar ties. You need, you need to know movement. Like, yeah, exactly. That's the whole point of it. It's good, like I said, to see you guys obviously do that type of thing and obviously implement it from there. Obviously, the other stuff that comes into you guys' games, obviously from Jordan's experience and yourself, obviously it's very obvious from the uh, statues, obviously of all the belts and stuff and medals you guys got, which is really, really cool. 
Uh, obviously, you guys have a theme of, <laughs> unless you're over, probably I'd say 95 kilograms, you're in, in, the, in the gym. No. I know it's not necessarily the case <laughs> for everyone, but everyone knows you guys as the big guys in the club. You, you mentioned briefly, obviously, you've got a lot of rugby guys, people from Henkley. I imagine, obviously, from people from the gyms in the area that you kind of come on board. Is that. Yeah, I, th I think Bridgewater is a big weightlifting. Like it's got a big weightlifting culture. It didn't have such a big martial arts presence, really. Arthur and this club was one of the main, the main martial arts clubs around. But where me and George started off so heavy from the gym, obviously we'd see people in the gym that knew us. That yeah, we'd go. George that big as well. Yeah, I bet there is. I bet, I bet they're probably they're very, like, <laughs> Sorry, George, it just literally popped yeah, no, George, I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. I've, I've probably got ones from when we were younger. George was we'll huge use it, as well. We'll use it as a cover photo. For yeah, the <laughs> use it as the, thumb, as the thumbnail. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> but what, like weights were a massive part of our not. I wouldn't say our generation, but in Bridgewater, our age group, mm. all everyone used to do was go to the gym. That's, that was the only things that we used to do. So like when we came across and started training jujitsu again. We bought loads of people that, that were weightlifters that were on the bigger side. And we had Pete. I don't know, obviously, you know Pete. Pete's a 46, and he's about... Probably. Probably. He's only about yeah, 40. Yeah, and he's, and, time. Really and, nice guy. And he's about... Well, I'll, I'll let you say it. How tall do you think he is? <laughs> Not very tall. <laughs> At the least. That's yeah. being polite, but he's, he knows. Yeah, and he's tiny. And he was, he was one of the first smaller people to come and train with us. So we didn't really have any... It was him and everyone else. And he still came and trained. And, and then was he, was he fresh from like white belt up to where he is now? No, he tra he trained before. He trained oh, at Fightworks as well. So I was like to say, he must have took on his licks being the smallest guy in his big boy place exactly, type exactly. thing to get to purple. But and in the beginning, it was probably intimidating for people to come to the club because every, uh, because we had a lot of big people, which was a thing in the beginning. But it would just attract more big people. Obviously, then the rugby guys. We've got probably half of a rugby team training with us now. That that rugby was the only thing that they'd done since they were kids yeah. until it got to a stage in their rugby careers that they thought, right, do I just want to carry on getting hit in the head for no reason? Or can I come and train still with the same physicality, yeah. same with the same team environment and have way more fun and learn at the same time? A lot, a lot of the problems is with the rugby teams around here is they'll get to a certain level and then where else do they go if they don't get scouted or picked for, for yeah. another thing? And then they realise that they're just banging their heads together for... For nothing, really. I know. I know we don't get paid in jujitsu, but you can still train and have something to learn. Yeah. And some of the best guys we've got have come from rugby. It sounds like so generic, but Ollie, no, Ollie Dunn. Yeah. <laughs> if you roll, if you roll, if you roll yes. with Ollie, yeah. So he's. The first time we seeing Ollie was putting someone in a fireman's carry, fireman's and, and then just like buffed off off we went. And tree trunks is why we first called him out. <laughs> and that's after five months of training jujitsu. That was his Christ. first competition. He took absolute. He took absolute gold in the Bristol Open, and that's after five months. Just be, it's a similar. I it's, it doesn't carry over the same. It's like an American wrestler going and starting. Yeah. Uh, BJJ. Yeah. That is the English equivalent of a rugby player coming and starting. I know it's completely different, but the same physicality and the same attributes are being used. Yeah. And he's just like a sponge. He's my, he's thirty as well, so he's he's starting later on in life. But they just they're, they're quick learners and they're athletic already, which helps massively. Mm. Definitely, it's one of the things. Obviously, I think we mentioned one of the last ones with Tom Schowler is the fact that you're getting a lot of people cross over from other sports, like CrossFit, for example, yeah. coming into these environments where they're being a little bit more entertained. Obviously, for that, I know from my personal experience was the fact that did bodybuilding, uh, got diagnosed with type one, so I was like, right, that ain't gonna help in the, <laughs> in the long run, um, and then started doing CrossFit. And then the problems with CrossFit, and I'm sure you've got to gather this, obviously, with the weight training, is that once you've done X amount of deadlifts or front squats or back squats, you're like. I'm bored of this now. Exactly. And I was like, I enjoyed the wads because obviously the intensity was there. So you yeah. were different, learning a bit different. But after a while, I was like, I'm not interested in Olympic lifting in the slightest yeah. bit. And I was like, okay, got introduced obviously to Jiu Jitsu for an MMA club. And I was like, 
this is cool. I can still get a sweat on, like learn something different, and just it just tickle, tickled my mind and teased my mind. Yeah, so exactly. like, Let's go and do some more type thing, and you're just enjoying it. It made ex it made exercising in a completely different light. Do you yeah, know what I, mean? I agree. I agree. And I think with lifting weights, we loved it for so long because you get bigger to a point. But like the the example I use is like I've probably done. How ma however many million bicep curls, and then look at my biceps. Like you know what I mean? Like in like huge. No, no, but like you know you know what I'm saying. Like you know what I'm saying. Compared to that photo, like you see you see yeah. like you could do ten million. And now I lift weights for a reason. I'm not just going to lift weights for the sake of lifting weights. Yeah. Now if I lift weights, I'm lifting it because I know it's improving my jujitsu. Mm. Like, and you say about people coming in from different sports. It's not even just from different sports. Where jiu-jitsu is becoming more mainstream, yeah. you've got people coming from everywhere to want to learn jiu-jitsu. Obviously, you've got the big names that talk about it, like the Joe Rogans, and you see like the Demi Lovatos and all yeah. the celebrities that are dipping their toes in, which is which is brilliant for the sport. Uh, uh, big Nasty and Tiny Temple. Yeah, exactly. Days. I posted uh, like someone on my Facebook of Big Nasty training uh, a competition. Oh, and obviously Mark Zuckerberg last week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you can, you, it's not just one of these niche... It's, it, well, it won't be one of these just niche communities soon. It will be, it will be bigger with people mm. like Gordon Ryan pushing it. I know people are going to hate Gordon Ryan, but like, you need people like that. You need celebrities to draw eyes to it if you yeah. want it to be a bigger, a bigger community. Yeah, massively. I think obviously when we went to, um, when I was, I was getting obviously down to Carlos Bay uh, earlier this week and everything, and we, uh, me and the wife just put on a podcast. We picked, I think it was like Joe Rogan, Russell Brand type of thing. Yeah. And it didn't take long before Jiu Jitsu came up, and she's like, "What well, does Russell Brand do Jiu Jitsu? The guy who looked like a crackhead type thing." I was like, "Yeah, and exactly." Like, like, and again, obviously you all proclaim like, "Oh, purple belt." Yeah, I thought it was a brown belt for each, for some Ooh. reason, but yeah, he's purple well, I belt. I knew you flew just before the unfortunate incident. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, no. this, this, yeah. <laughs> this is what I think Russell Brand was saying about how very primal it is in the sense that, again, obviously you've got punching and kicking and all that type of jazz and that type of stuff, but in the day, obviously not to sound like Jocko Willink type thing, you punch me, I can run away, kick me, you run away, I'm exactly. you, like, well, you've got to do something now type thing. Um, and you can't get any more primal than that in the size In the bit. wrestling environment. Yeah, I 100%. Swear, I did an interview for uh, Grapple Fest last time on BBC Somerset with some lady... I couldn't remember her name. Some lady, <laughs> some lady presenter, old woman, yeah. and she was talking about jujitsu. You could tell that she didn't have an absolute clue what jujitsu was, and asked me to describe it. And she was like, "Oh well, I've heard Tom Hardy does jujitsu, so that means I like it." So like, <laughs> so like, so even just like people like the fact that Tom Hardy does jujitsu. This woman who knows absolutely nothing about it knows that he does it, so now she knows what it is. Yeah, like honest. so, it's, it's stupid I, as that sounds. I get it from family members all the time. They'll see something which I've already seen for like two weeks. And yeah, fire across like Tom Hardy does it. And I'm exactly. Like, yeah, I, I've seen this already. I, I'm sure we've all been there. Like the Mark Zuckerberg one took like we all pretty much knew on the day it happened type. Yeah, thing. and then all of a sudden every like for the following days you get the constant same yeah. post being sent. Yeah. You get, you get Facebook banned. Can we deal with Mark? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, I watched bit. I watched the video. Actually, like relatively good. Yeah. Definitely. He can afford. No, he's white belt. He can afford all the best privates. Oh, hundred percent. Right. This is the thing. Like that all comes relative, though, doesn't it? Because if you can afford to go to New Wave or go to B Team or something like that, doesn't 
ultimately you will be the best the best. No, uh, definitely not. Because you need to go to elite, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that Jay mentioned that, because I said to him, like, I have been under Pedro for about seven years. I'm only a blue belt, mm. but that's where I've, like, started doing it, got really into it, dipped out, came back in again, out, came back in again. Not making excuses, just a shit blue belt. But it's just, I've, I've never really, like, gym hopped. I've always just stayed in the yeah. safe zone, never gone. And, like, I'm complete opposite of it. We were planning to go up to Escapeology, we were yeah. supposed to go to RGA yeah. HQ. Like. And, uh, and that's like the first time I rolled at RGA, and I was like, oh man, like, this is, like, I think I got stuck in the fact of, if I go somewhere else, I'm going to get injured, and yeah. I don't want to do that. But like, I rolled most of you guys at Pedro's anyway, I was like, oh fuck it, I'll give it a good lap, and like, it's great. Yeah, and, exactly. Like, just that mindset of, I'll just stay in my little safe corner. Yeah. You see different styles, <laughs> different styles at different gyms as well, you know what mm. I mean? Like, obviously, when, when, I know the problem is the same for every gym, but someone new comes into the gym, you've, you, you know that you're walking into the gym with a target on your back because especially for Nogi, no one knows your rank, no one knows your experience. No, it's the same when we go to Pedro's, you know what I mean? Obviously everyone wears the same. You don't know who you're rolling with. You don't yeah. know what grade they are. You've just got to match intensity for intensity. Yeah, I, that reminds me, I think I remember early, early in my jiu-jitsu career doing Nogi and rolling with someone and I said, Oh, are you a blue belt? And they said, no, I'm brown. I'm like, oh, this is awkward. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, exactly. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, lesson learned. Don't ever, ever, ever. Tell, uh, say something like brown belt, higher belt, obviously. And then if you've got brown and black, maybe wrong, then it should be fine. Exactly. Yeah. To a point, I don't think belts mean anything. At like open no. Not in nothing. Because if you're a semi-decent, I guess, human being, is the way to put it, you're not going to just start ripping fucking no. heel hooks and like seated knee bars and I'm just not going to do that, but you know, there are people that do get injured, and that does happen. 100%. I think it's a little bit more, I don't know if it's controversial to say, but I don't think belts matter as much in Nogi. Like, with you could be a white belt that has studied leg locks from the second that you've started jiu-jitsu because that is what you're interested in, mm. and you could roll with a black belt who's been a black belt in the gi, not done a lot of jiu-jitsu, not done a lot of Nogi jiu-jitsu, I know is, we're, we're going gi versus Nogi, that, and this white belt could absolutely rip the legs off this black boat who's trained for 20 years who hasn't yeah. bothered 100% le learning 100%. The, the, the more current techniques matches like that as well what was it who was again I'm only going to remember him unfortunately based on his body shape but it wasn't Mason Fowler up against this guy who was a bit chubby type thing and just did pure leg locks only and I oh. think it was at EBI I think it was it was like an Eddie Bravo Invitational and he was just known for just chucking on leg locks yeah. all the time. And I think he was in like a purple belt. Yeah. But then to come up against obviously Mason Fowler of all people. Exactly. Thing is did he catch right, him? Right. Uh, Mason did win in the end, yeah. unfortunately. But it went well, unfortunately. But again, it wasn't as if it wasn't without any. It wasn't a, um, a quick match. It was yeah. still like a backwards and forward type thing. And but that's why the nogi do beginner, intermediate, advanced, and expert, don't they? So it's not yeah. done by belt level. Like yeah. I just. But we've had we've had guys from our club before. Obviously, go up to Grapple Industries in London, for example. Blue belt, I know of Yalchin, fantastic with his leg work and stuff. Go to the elite level, and his first match against Ross Nichols. Exactly. And he's just like, and again, like he, our coach obviously said that look, you didn't get absolutely destroyed by Ross Nichols, right? You. Uh, won in a few different positions and stuff like that. It didn't obviously do well in terms of like winning the overall thing. Mm. But he said, in terms of experience, if we put a brown mash guard on you, no one never come under. Exactly. Like, literally no different at all. So it all depends, like I said, on the amount of time that these individuals are doing. These guys, obviously, from my place, are training three times a day, every single day type <laughs> exactly. thing. Uh, they do it full time. They work, obviously, within the school as well type yeah. stuff. So they're in that position. Well, we... With, with, with that, like, with bigger names of the UK, 
especially say like you just mentioned Ross Nichols but like people like fly under the radar do one show and get really big like Jed Hughes like, mm, like, yeah. like wasn't really I wouldn't say he wasn't on the scene because he was very very good and then did Polaris <laughs> for the the UK versus the I want to say it was US yep. I think he did and like because he was such a showman on the mat everyone knows who he is well, George, George fought Judd Hughes multiple times. George actually beat Judd Hughes twice before. Like, did you not know? Like this, no. but no. so this was this. Gi or no gi? Gi and no gi. So this was this was going like I don't obviously this is going to go up. I don't know if he wants me to talk about it or not. George was two o two and o up on Judd. Really? They fought again on Alpha Grappling. Yeah. George got heel hooked. They haven't had the fourth fight. So like. But Jed had improved a hell of a lot since the first times that they yeah. fought at the lower belts. But George, that was a, that was a big match that was built up quite a long time ago. George's actually up on Jed Hugh at the moment on in matches. But like you said, Jed's had a big push, trained under Ross Nichols. It's it's just one of those things. We're training out of a smaller club in not that it makes a difference, a small club in the southwest, London. Yeah. We were saying this before. If you enter a competition, you live in London. You're going to fight the same people every week because they're they're they all train at each other's gyms. They're all yeah. in the same place. And you say about people training three times a day. I think we worked it out the other day because we were talking about. It. I won't name who we were talking about, but if you've got someone that's training twice a day for a year, it's, I think we worked out it's like two thousand five hundred sessions a year. If you go to somebody's training twice a week, it's like five hundred sessions. Yeah, so like that's you, that that yeah. is. They're different. You could have a purple belt who's training full time, brown belt training full time, black belt training full time, doing two thousand five hundred sessions a, a year against a hobbyist blue belt who's doing yeah. two a week, and it's five hundred sessions. You can tell though. I think there's a big difference in there again from some of the competition that I've been to beforehand about you going. You, you start with this person and instantly. You can just tell by their posture, their demeanor, and you I don't know engage with them, and then after that, it literally just feels like this person just walked in. I agree. And, and, and you just like oh, okay, right, and. Don't get me wrong, it's nice getting the win and stuff, but after what, yeah. like, I don't know, from a training perspective, obviously in a competition, I want to win and move on to the next thing. But even then, I don't know, because I'm a little bit, I don't know, soft in that sense. I'm like, oh, I hope he didn't have a shit experience through like his first competition yeah. type thing where he just got absolutely panned. Um, but at the same time, within the training environment, there's an enjoyment after maybe the first, second sub, and then the third sub kicks in, and you're like, well, there's a fourth. There's a, you don't yeah. gain anything from it. So then all of a sudden, you're like, well, what else can I do from here to work on other areas in my game type. That brings up, what is your opinion on people saying that they're full-time jiu-jitsu athletes that don't necessarily live the life of someone who you would think is full-time or can you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I know exactly like, what it's, I mean. it's, If I turn around tomorrow and said I'm going to be a full-time jiu-jitsu athlete yeah. and not have a job and not work but train twice a day against someone who's doing... S&C, diet right, lifting weights, training full-time hard twice a day, recovery, everything. Do you think there's a difference between someone that's just wants to be lazy and hasn't really got anything else going on with their life or I, someone okay, who I think there's a difference in levels of it. If you're going to be a professional at any sport, right, there's a level to the fact that there's going to be a certain level of commitment that needs to be put towards it, right? And I think it shows within who will go far and who will go to the top basically yeah and I think it's very transparent with some of the individuals that I work with that they are never late for a training session yeah every training session is attended to it's paid attention to they give it their most they give it their utmost but they're dead afterwards mm -hmm. right and then on top of that they're trying to min max every other little detail of their life because 
even when you speak to some of these people that I've got in my mind right now, like, oh, how was it when you went to ADCC last year? It was great. Oh, what did you think of Gordon? I was like, oh, I didn't really go speak to him because he'd be my opponent in the future. Yeah. It's very, like, stoic like Jordan in the sense of, like, in the sense of, like, not, like, then you see some people they enjoy and want to see and obviously look up to and respect, but their mindset is that I'm going to be in this position. Exactly. In the future and the habits that relay it. And the people who are naturally talented, and this can be in any sport, will get so far. But the question will always be, well, if they stopped smoking behind the scenes, like yeah. how far would they have gone type thing, yeah? Oh, if they stopped going out and boozing on the weekend, how much further we? Because they've got so much potential. Mm. And we've all heard the, the guy at the pub who could have made it Premier League football. Oh, yeah. But their knee got, went. Got a knee injury. Got a knee injury. My missus says that to me all the time. You sound like a football. When I, say, when I go home and I say that I'm a little bit injured, she goes, you just sound like one of those people who goes to the pub and says that they could have made it in football because you've hurt your knee. She literally said that to me the other day. Oh, man, I bet you hurt her. That hurt her. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, Go away. <laughs> I think people have a misconception of, oh, I'll just do it once a week and I'll get really good. Like, I don't tend to do that because, for me, like, I definitely noticed when I first started training, because Jordan was training at Pez when I was training a couple mm. of years ago. When I started when I was like 23, 24, yeah. Jordan was training then. I think it has a lot to do with the amount of hours on the mat. Because although you may do one session a week, if that one session is for two hours, three hours, yeah. drill, 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 and you then have like, you know, you're doing well, you're looking after yourself throughout the week, and then come the week after, again, another session, it's definitely not as many sessions as someone you would go like regularly, but if you're doing more time than them, mm. arguably you could progress. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, my, my concern is, if I'm honest, with that is that if you're doing longer sessions, is that the variety of different training partners yes. you're going to have. Because mm -hmm. all of a sudden, if you're doing one session with one person, let's say just me and you train for two hours, yeah. right? I will eventually start to mould to your style. For sure. Or the counter style to it, if that makes sense. And then all of a sudden, what happens is when I come into a competition where I come against Tom, who has nothing to do with your style, yeah. and I cut some scenarios where it's like, oh, fuck. And I think this is what we've happened, obviously, when I've trained at RGA now for over a year, and you've trained, obviously, at Sweatbox, and you said your style is just completely different, different to what I... we didn't train together for... Probably about two like years. Yeah, yeah, close yeah. to. Uh, during the RGA, like, I was pulling, like, stupid fucking Robocard shorts, <laughs> and Jay was like, what the fuck are you doing? It's like, oh, like... Andy taught me this the other day, and he's like, stupid, I can't move. And I'm like, yeah, like, what do I do with this? Like, I don't know. Like, not, not my problem. Like, not my problem, you deal with it. But at the yeah. same time, there's stuff you pull on me, like takedowns and sweeps, and I'm like, no clue. Definitely wasn't inspired yeah. by this but guy. You're both <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. people assume, I both blue belts, we both know the same thing. No. And it's not the case. God, it no. never works like that. It's like one uh, good example of that is you could teach. I normally do my teaching in blocks of months. So for over a month, we'll cover X position. And then you'll go, guys, I'd like to see you do some of the techniques and sparring that I've been teaching for the last month. And everyone goes back to their favorite Kimura, favorite straight foot lock, favorite head knock. Do you know what I mean? Like, yep. And then you could do a month on leg locks and then you'll still see people going for rear naked chokes. That, that, not saying that I know it does bug me. Like we, we run a leg lock class every Thursday. And I say, guys, let's see some leg locks tonight. And then everyone just starts jumping on Kimuras. And I'm thinking, come on, just do, just do some leg lock. Like, we've been, we've yeah. been learning leg locks. I'd say that's but. one of the benefits I've enjoyed, obviously, as a notorious sort of gym gypsy of traveling around different places, is that, from my perspective, when I'm learning, obviously, if you're drilling leg locks and stuff like that, 
you then try and drill it afterwards in a, in a kind of open mat environment, everyone knows like, oh, I know, I wonder what exactly. you're going to fucking do yeah, now. For sure. Yeah, you're right in that sense. And then so like, I would have thought that's why I enjoy going to different gyms with a completely different style of people that are somewhat know and then kind of go, right, okay, how is this going to work? And so, so again, one of the moves that we've been drilling was um, over under pass um, and then obviously hopping over the hopping knee. Hopping over the legs. Uh, right. And then obviously straighten it up to then pummel through and try doing it on Ethan. And I was just like, this isn't working that well. What's going on here? Uh, next thing you know, you try to push my head into the triangle. Yeah. And I'm like, whereas other people I can build that with, they're like, oh, you seem like really heavy at the moment. Wow, well, your passing seems to be getting better. Like, Beef has got probably the hardest guard in the world to pass as well. Jesus Christ. He's just one of the best people in the gym. Um, but no, right, let's go on to the obvious topic. Why do you guys not do anything in the gi? I think we've covered it. I think no, no gi is way more progressive. It's way more current and... The whole topic of gi versus no gi, we, we just want to be the best club known for no gi. And I think if we're trying to pull people in from other sports, trying to pull people off the street, adults, it's not so much kids because we only go six, 16 up. But if you try and chuck, if you try and say to an adult, come and train with us, but you've got to wear these jacket and trousers, mm. they'll go, what is it, karate? <laughs> and then, like, and then you, and then you've just got a. It's all, it's almost in, it almost is embarrassing to have to explain what it is straight away. Not in, embar- not in, but that sounds like I'm really slating the gear, and I'm not. But like, to try and draw people in for a business point of view, yeah. Trying to get people to wear these jacket and trousers, even though the gear is still really good. I enjoy the gear when I chuck it on. It's a lot harder to pull people in. Also. I look at no gear as more of a sport, as satisfying as that sounds, because yeah. because of the athleticism, because of the speed that it requires. That is just the number one thing, and plus, it's more fun. I, I enjoy, I, like you say, the wrestling stuff like that. There's not, there's less guard pulling. It's it's more, it's faster. People can't slow you down necessarily by just holding a collar. I know you get you get no gear matches that end at draws, but a lot of gear matches you watch is uh, ending advantage wins or penalty points or like do you, and it's not it's not good like it's not good for the sport in my opinion i'm waiting for richard Bino to run for the door like how dare you oh, is, that, <laughs> is, it, what, is he got a completely opposite stance he on may, what just, his view is is that you can't get good at nogi without the game you can't get good at nogi without training the game yeah. i'm not going to argue that point but it, I, <laughs> like I, just because in case he watches it and he comes to the gym and fills me in but, <laughs> Hey, but, maybe, um, maybe we've got our first super fight ready. Yeah, no, but, no, <laughs> I, but I completely disagree with that. I like. I'm not saying that they both don't help each other, but I think you have someone start in the gi, someone start no gi, and you and you make them fight later. Say five years down the line, after training jujitsu x amount of times a week, the, the person the person no gi wins every time. Mm. Like, like not every, maybe, but. Could, that, that's, that's my opinion. Not yeah, saying that no gi is better than gi. They both help each other. Yep. If, you, if you stick someone that's done no gi for five years in a gi, they will still go and do reasonably well against someone who's trained gi. Like the no gi style resonates more for gi mm. than gi to no gi, yeah. in my opinion. I, think every, I don't think that that's madness saying that. And I no, think if you said that to anyone, not everyone would agree. I think, like I said, I, I'm a very much in the same sort of belief where... The thing is, if you had a pure no gi specialist, uh, sorry, pure gi specialist, and put them in a no gi environment, and I've seen it before. Like purple belts who've just done gi all their life, they go to their first no gi class, and 
don't wrong, they have some basics now. Yeah. But other things are just like, they, you can just see their demeanor. They're just not confident. Exactly. They're yeah. just like, oh, okay. And especially if they come from like a goal school where they haven't done any stand-up type thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, oh, okay. And you, I feel bad for them to some degree. Because again, I'm not just saying it's just from me, but other people rolling with them. You can just see in their face, they're looking at their yeah. belt going, I don't deserve I believe it. Like yeah, oh, yeah, I don't believe it. I, I, th I think if you train in the gi, guard passing is still reasonably similar no gi. Obviously you've got grip obviously you've got grips you can take. You don't necessarily use a lapel grip as much for passing. But then when it comes to a bottom game for people in the gi that are trying to retain guard, no gi, it is so much harder because mm. everything is reliant on either a pants grip or a collar grip for, for retaining. Yeah. That that's where the difference comes in, in my opinion. Yeah, the thing, and like I said, if you don't flip it on the other I get a guy obviously from no gi for who's a the equivalent of a purple belt level from then and put them in the gi. Mm -hmm. The only thing again, I, I came from a no gi to start off with to begin with for a few months and then I got there and people were trying to cross collar trade me. I was like, yeah. I was like, get the fuck off me, what yeah. the fuck are you doing? Like, what is this shit? And like they it, they'd still have a they still have to fight to it, but from a defensive point of view, it wasn't as if I knew what they weren't they were trying to do. Exactly. You know what I mean? And they can like the the difference is is they you you'll be slowed down. Someone that's trained no gi being put in the gi, you'll be slowed down, mm. but you can still use your scoop grips and everything else. And if anything, you can then grab their gi even if you don't know what grips you're having. Yeah. You can still grip in the same place that you put your hand on their leg if yeah. you were looking for a sweeping foot. So we've all done it before. Where I don't know, we have grabbed a rash guard by mistake. Yeah, you know I mean, I it's, so. it's not. It's not like at the end of the world. I, I think the worst one's obviously getting toes caught in like shorts and stuff. Like, yeah. Whoa, hold on. Everyone <laughs> looks you like, what's going on? Um, but no, that's fair enough. I, I think, I think, I, I kind of do agree with Rich. I, I think ultimately, and Shane said it as well. To get good at the one thing you want to be known at, you need to go at one thing. A hundred percent. But I think in jiu-jitsu-wise, if you want to be like an elite-level gi player, you oh, yeah. need to be fucking good in no-gi. Because the movement in no-gi flows so much more than it does in gi. If you grab a, a lapel and uh, a sleeve, you can dance around that way, yeah. but because you don't know me, you go, God, how well. See, I, I, I was switching to a collar grip, and they're suddenly like, oh, yeah. what's going on? Like, yeah. like, people who have just done gi, if you grab a collar tie on, and they go like, what the fuck are you doing? They're like, just because you have a gi on, you don't have to grab. Use the gi. The gi? You don't have to. Yeah. Like, if you went into like a gi like uh, school, just do gi, like an old school gi school, and you went in, just put a gi on, but you've done no gi for a couple of years, someone grabs you and you like do an Imanari roll, they'll be like, what the fuck was that? Mm. They would have no clue. Mm. And it goes back to, you know, like we were saying earlier, no gi is, I think, more progressive. I think gi is slowly catching up, especially now the IBJJF in like, yeah, leg rock. Heel hooks, good. yeah, that's Heel a big thing. That is a big thing. Like, yeah. wow, I think, okay, cool. I think those, so I think what... If I'm honest, the one thing that you said from a point of view is that if you want to get into a sport, you want to have as little resistance as possible for newcomers to come through, yeah. right? If you just say shorts and a t-shirt, <coughs> right? Yeah. Like, that's just the case yeah. of like... <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> um, it's the same thing of like, if you had someone turn up to rugby practice, football practice, tennis, whatever sport it is, if they've then got to go and get specialised equipment mm -hmm. to be able to participate in it, you just put a, a, a barrier. A big block. Yeah, yeah. I agree. 100%. And then do that. Now, don't get me wrong. Some schools will give you geese and that type of stuff to begin with type of thing. But even then, it's just like, right, okay, I didn't know this. Ooh, I'm not quite sure. And then from the noogie perspective, again, shorts and t-shirt, absolutely fine. Right. Hey, dude, just to pre-warn you, like, I'd rather get some shorts or any pockets on just so people get caught. Yeah, for toes, sure. That type of thing. And then again, you can go get an under, under armour, like... 
anyone That's can go to Sports Direct and just pick up a compression top. Yeah. Like a compression top costs. Uh, yeah, exactly. And you can use it every time. Obviously, people buy all different, but like that—that that is exactly it. It is just more current. Like people, as much as people shouldn't care, people don't want to look stupid. Like you go to the gym, people buy expensive gym gear to go to the gym in because they don't want to look stupid. So like, people don't want to be walking around. Oh, it sounds like I'm slating it again. In funny jacket and trousers. Like, yeah, maybe I like the gear. I need to say I do like the gear as well. It sounds like I'm slating it's it. Like you sat there with like a multicolored gear sat at home in his cupboard. Like, yeah, I know. Like, what tie dye type thing? Like I like the gear. I promise. I do. Like, I spent a lot of money on gears when I used to train in the gear. I just like, but it's just. It will be the age-old argument of gi versus no gi. When yeah, it, that, it, that will it, go it will on forever. Die. But it like you say die. about the IBJJF introducing hill hooks, that is them to, that is them surrendering, saying no gi's better. Yeah, <laughs> it is true. I've got the irony, obviously, with gi stuff. Obviously, I've got all the tatami stuff, obviously, when I was down um, did sweat box and stuff like that. And then I moved to a, a GB school, which yeah. then had to get the GB gear. You've got the collection. And then from there, you've got RGA. I, and then I've got RGA now. And so I've got literally, I'm like a Pokemon collector. I just yeah. maybe, maybe chuck in a show your role just to yeah, say, exactly. maybe. And I'll have them all, and I'll be, it'll be great. But um, yeah, no, I get it. So um, one thing I wanted to touch on, buddy, is obviously the fact you were doing bodybuilding beforehand, good old 120 kilograms. Yeah. Within the bodybuilding world, there I just think it's a lot more progressive in terms of how open they've been talking in terms of dieting structures, how to do things. And this is potentially the reason, one of the main reasons I've started doing this on this channel is to try and get people to not make the same mistakes. Obviously, I'm sure you're aware from the days of BCAAs were basically the holy grail. And people were like, it's just expensive fucking pits, basically. Mm. Um, and you see little things like that coming through into the jiu-jitsu world type of thing. Without that dieting structure, do you think you would have performed as well as you are now? Because you talk about clean eating, obviously, if you know it really well already, which wouldn't surprise you from that bodybuilding world, if you see what I mean. Yeah, so. I think I could have done with more guidance, really, in the, in the regards, because I just used to eat everything and lift weights. I used to just drink three protein shakes a day. And just it was it was just bro science of things that I'd see on the internet, which were just no good, no good really for Don't like yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly, and just like stupid things like that. Well, like we love Dorian Yates. Dorian Yates was always my favorite bodybuilder, and yeah. like no, like even if you look, I not that I follow bodybuilding now, but you look at the condition of the bodybuilding athletes now compared to what they were like back then, and it, there's just no comparison. But supplementation is huge, especially now with. Shane Curtis said the unfortunate event and stuff like that. Vitamins, yeah. every, everything that you can say, BCAAs, BCAAs, protein, everything. Like your body does need it, especially if you're not eating the food that you need and stuff like that, mm. especially training as much as you train. But What supplements do you take, Vaden, dude? Have interest? Do you take much? Or uh, I take my vitamins in the morning. Yep. I'm going down the route. Like this, this will sound really... Like you look at the... Like... Uh, can I say... Like... TRT and stuff like that has always been huge, especially for like mm. some of the older guys and stuff like that. And Jim, I, sh- I thought we were going to go down the route of the bannings in the IBJJF and stuff like that. Yeah, but, like, we the, can do. Yeah, we? no, no, I didn't know if you, if you like. Every, everyone seems to look at it and, and badmouth it, but as it becomes more available in the UK, that you can actually go to a doctor's in the UK and they will prescribe it to you. I don't use it, but I know a lot of people that do, and I know a lot of people that it benefits and stuff like that along the road for for them feeling better as they get an older. Yeah, but. Supplements that I take, BCAAs in work in my water, and, and just protein shakes. That's literally all I do. Vitamins in the morning. That's, it's nothing 
Outland, nothing cats. outlandish or anything like further nah, than that. Fine. I just try, I just try and eat decent and get enough food in for me to train. Really. Again, thanks for sharing it. Dude. It's mm. just I think again there needs to be just more talk about it in terms of like what people are doing, what they're not doing, and stuff like that to try and like level up the standard for it all. If that makes sense. Yeah. And like the thing is that there's just so many depending on you guys as coaches for example are certainly not supported obviously however there's so much an expectation for you guys to be able to know absolutely fucking everything yeah. right the case of like oh my toenail fell off what do i need to do yeah. it's just like i'm not a dermatologist like, no i don't know this like I, or whether fucking like do you know I, what i mean I just laugh because that's literally what tom said isn't it? He yeah it's, yeah it's true i imagine as a coach some of the stuff that people say to you is like what's going on i, I don't know like i'm not a chemist no exactly you know, like you said, oh, I've uh, you had something in your gym and you had to point out you've got ringworm, you need to exactly. Do that. And he was like, What do you mean? And you're like, Well, fuck, do you mean what do you mean? Exactly, like, you, yeah. you see your head, yeah, it's not being rude. We've had it, we've had it in the gym as well. Sorry to interrupt, like with yeah. people that that have trained that they don't know what ringworm is yeah. so like they've never seen it in their lives they don't they so they come to class and they carry on rolling because they just think it's just a spot that's come up on their skin. Yeah. Yeah. So you have you have it's, it's bad, I hate doing it. But you have to tell him to come up to, to stay off the mats for a few weeks. Mm. And like the worst thing for anyone that loves the sport is not training. But you you have to be stern, otherwise it just rinses yeah. the gym. And then yeah. and then you've got two people to spar with all week and just like yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I th- I think that's the number one thing. Shower enough. Yeah. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Now it's interesting. So I did my dissertation at university on steroid use within the bodybuilding community. I was mm. actually quite lucky to get a lot of the prolific bodybuilders at the time. So uh, I don't know if you probably remember them. A guy called Callum Rystick. So he was like, like again quite big, really really good. Uh, loads of other people who were getting into that. They all shared it for me, and we had a load of feedback from there. And it was about the fact that majority of steroid users were not happy or comfortable speaking to their GP because they didn't feel like they had new enough experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, massively. They, that doesn't surprise me actually. Because again, when you're talking about getting TRT from the UK, your levels have to be astonishingly low mm. for them to do that. And even then, they were going to say about a million other things before they even give you that, that they don't want to give it, basically, mm. is a long short of it. But um, which unfortunately encourages the sort of the dark underbelly of people getting it elsewhere type thing. But no, in, in terms of like my point of view, it's kind of like a sex ed talk. I'd rather it be talked about and people be safe about it get their blood work done and not look at you go like, what the fuck is blood work? I'm like, you need to get your blood work done and be more safe about it, if that makes sense. I completely agree. I, th- I think people are so quick to judge a lot of people for, not, so, not necessarily steroids, but everything. Like if someone takes protein and someone else doesn't take protein, they should be like, you need to be drinking protein and like mm. just push it, like not pushy, but like, have a massive opinion on what someone else isn't doing if they're perfectly happy with their life. If they don't want to drink protein, they want to drink, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. Like, in my, it sounds like I'm going to promote steroids again, but like, if someone takes steroids and trains in the gym, but they're an absolutely perfect, not perfect, an absolutely nice human being, they don't come in, they yep. don't hurt anyone, what difference does that make yep. to me? As long as they're not coming in there and trying to snap my legs off and punch people in the face. Yeah, like, exactly. if, if, like, if they, if they, if that's what they do, if they lift weights and they want to be a bodybuilder in their, in their spare time away from the mats, it doesn't affect my training. It's only if it comes onto the mats and they try and rip your leg off. But it's yeah. like, I, you just don't, I don't, I don't really want to cast judgment over a no, people exactly. for what they you don't want to stereotype them you don't no want to exactly, exactly. Like, stereotype like, perfect word put them on the same box, uh, box type thing and at the end of the day like I said it's one of those things about this is an enjoyable sport everyone wants to have a good time everyone gets yeah. hurts and stuff like that and you're very much right that obviously from my standpoint is the fact that if we get people doing certain things, it's kind of in the same right. I'm not saying you've done everything wrong. It's one of the concerns I even had about doing this podcast. I don't want to come across to people and be like, 
what's your diet? Oh, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. You should be doing yeah. X, Y, and Z because it's more about- I need, I need that though, I probably <laughs> do need that. We'll chat after and see what we can do, man. Um, and the idea being is that like, we wanna just level up everyone's sort of knowledge around it, obviously, and try and improve stuff. So as time goes on, so there isn't any miscommunication out there. The big topic at the moment seems to be about creatine loading. Obviously, I'm sure you may have heard about that back in the day and that type of stuff, but it was just a marketing con to get people to buy more. And yet there's more people talking about it with general advice, like eat two grams of protein per, per, per pound of body weight or whatever yeah. type thing. And I'm like, it's a lot more in depth now to where it needs to yeah. be. And it's not just like, oh, take this, we'll take that. It's, it, there's more to it, as, as they say, type of thing. So, no, um, well, that's interesting to hear, dude. And obviously, in terms of then it, that clean eating approach, so again, we're talking sort of chicken, broccoli, or rice, basically, is what we're looking at here. That is so yeah. basic to say. Steak, like steak. I went for a fish period of eating, so yeah, fish and rice cake. <laughs> like, like steak was always one that I was a go-to as well. Like, especially for Grapple Fest, it was literally just a steak and a few eggs that I would eat. And when I can't, when I came home at about half past ten at night as well, I'd like, and then I'd have some chicken sausages with just rice and broccoli and that would be it in the day and i'd have a steak when i came home with a couple of eggs that would be it. that would literally be it so it wasn't any massive carbs or anything like that but like i said it just depleted me yeah into to a point that i was just ill that's interesting but like that's quite common and it's, it's again this is a common thing of i think especially with weight cutting as well and trying to manage that there are times and periods of it i've got two coming up now i've got a couple of meetings i'd like to do next week and the following uh, yeah next week and then the following week after that as well um so Again, it's about timing of different things to not deplete you and keep you more fueled up up until that point. Mm. Uh, depends obviously on the way and if it's the day before, day after, whatever, or same day type thing. So, but yeah, it's again, I'd rather be more public knowledge so that people aren't doing silly things. Yeah, and then it sure. makes them be on the mat, not have as much injury, give you more confidence. Because I imagine obviously you becoming ill before the match, all of a sudden you're there going. Exactly. Well, like, like, yeah, exactly. I know. I think that's great. I think it's great that you're doing it. To be honest, I think people need more education in their diets, especially for like call us hobbyists like people that are interested in losing weight or gaining weight yeah. that are just doing what they see again with the the social media short clips they'll they'll see something and they'll go oh well, this is right i'm just going to do yeah. this instead of actually speaking to someone who knows what they're yeah. talking about and following a program saying, like fruit's bad for you yeah exa yeah exactly exactly yeah for yeah. sure like that's the main thing well visha told me up, like you thought cardio no, was <laughs> Really? Yeah, I'll be us next. Yeah. <laughs> I only, I only, I only hear about other people talk about him on other podcasts that I've listened to, but I have no idea what it is. Oh mate, he's no. just very clever with his marketing, and yeah. like it's the same thing. Like back in the day when I first started, so we actually got our fifth birthday this Wednesday, um, and as a company, and the idea being was that uh, I used to tell myself when I used to see the Juice Plus sellers, yeah, posting about stuff on Facebook. I always, I used to used to really frustrate me, right? And obviously you try and do posts, but at the same time I try and say, right, they have enough get-go to post every single fucking day, four times a day. Yeah. I need to be at least at that level or more yeah, to, to get, get, get past it. I agree. <laughs> Rather than just sit and moan like, oh, they're making money and doing and ripping people off. I was like, well, I just need to do, I need to level up my content. That was like, the same for us. Exactly the same for us in the club. I think social media has been an absolute staple in how big and the reach we've had to people to come and train here yeah. with the amount that we've used social media because you see, other, I don't want to slate other gyms as well, but you see it now, other gyms popping up and using their social media almost in the same in the same spec as us, posting every day. Yeah. Like I do a post every day. I do a story a few times a day just to get it out there for people to see. 100%. Because 
need to be relevant. Everything, again, same as being current, everything is online now. Every, like everything, yeah. everything is online. You're naive to it and just relying on word of mouth. It'll get you far, don't get me wrong, but it won't get you to the levels of where you want to be, where you're there talking about doing refurbishment for this place and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. Fucking awesome to hear, man, which is going to be really, really cool. So, uh, question for you then, dude. We've asked a few different people. After Grapple Fest or whatever show it is, what is the post-meal option you're choosing? Post-meal. Well, there's, for Grapple Fest, it's a perfect one because there is a, a really nice pizza shop around the corner. So, after I lost the fir- <laughs> my match on the first one, <laughs> I ran around the corner and I bought a 12-inch pepperoni. It's always just got to be pepperoni with du- an extra pepperoni, so double pepperoni. And, double pepperoni. Yeah, and a large garlic bread pizza and I just smashed both one after another and went back and watched the rest of the matches. My question is to you, do you fold them in half like a sandwich? No, right? I don't. I always eat it sliced by slice. I should though. I should. Like, Mate, it's efficient. What I used to do is, you know the Chicago Town pizzas? Yeah. I'd cook two of those and I'd cook burgers, and I'd use the Chicago Town pizzas as the bun. I wonder why you're 120 yeah, I, know. <laughs> I know. Oh, my days. That was, that was years and years ago. Yeah. yeah. That does. I have to do that. I'll be mean. Do you know what they're like? Do you microwave the pizzas? No, I do them, under, I do them in the oven. With the microwave, they are hot as fuck. Yeah. Oh, they're like a nuclear. I know. Straight away. Yeah. I love it. No, I love that. So post-workout meals. Is that the same for most times? You're always hunting down a pizza, basically? Yeah, it would be, I think it's the quickest, it's the easiest. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't drink anymore. It would have been a beer, but I don't, like, I've just cut drinking out completely now. Really? How come? Do you want to ask him? Is there anything particular about that? It's just... just related? Or no, not, not jujitsu-related at all. But I suppose you could lay it down to jujitsu as well, partly. Like, everything in my life has become better since not drinking. And it's not like a, me trying to be spiritual or anything like that. No. Like, I just... I. I don't know whether it's a part of growing up, but we did a lot of drinking when we were younger. And it's mm. never, if I, if I sit and reflect on it, it's never actually bought me anything positive. Yeah. I'm not saying it's bought me anything negative, but I mean, like, it's never been positive for how I felt for anything that's happened at the time when I'm drinking. So I've just thought, I'm just going to cut it completely, give it the year and just see what happens. And I, I honestly feel 150 times better. I still get massive FOMO yeah. from everyone that goes out drinking. I think that'll be the same forever. But... It's just been like I, it's just been so much better not drinking. Not drinking alcohol has just helped my head, helped my body, and I think I dra- a big reason that I drank was because I used to get massive social anxiety. Yeah. Like when I used to go out with friends and like it would just got, it would get to a point that I was drinking for the sake of me just staying there, which mm. I notice more when I stop drinking. Yeah. Because then trying to be around a crowd when you're not drinking, I feel the anxiety more. But then it's just learning how to deal with it to stay out a little bit later, a little bit later before I go home. I know it's just something completely different then, but... Again, from my perspective, like, in terms of drinking, my friends will know that I don't drink that much in the slightest bit. Yeah. Like, I'm happy to, like, joke around and all that type of stuff. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be massive on tonight. And then knowing me, it's never going to be the case. Sneak off. Sneak off. Yeah. And I think the difference being is that for a time where people like to feel good mentally and physically, alcohol just doesn't contribute to that statement I agree. in the slightest bit to the point where when we get quite a few clients actually work with us and they say, okay, I've stopped drinking, obviously, one, for the calorie content, obviously, from a weight loss perspective, mm. two, how they're feeling the next day. And I'm like, without getting, again, sort of sounding overseas too, too spiritual and that type of stance, but 
you're only on this planet for a certain amount of time. Exactly. How many of those days do you just want to spend led in bed, hungover, Waste, yeah. wasting the day away? And I don't know if it's just the fact, obviously, running a business and obviously you probably looking after this place as mm. well and other things as well um, puts into perspective. But no, I'm very much right. I think if I think if you're doing things where you need alcohol to to have fun, then you're doing the wrong things. Yeah, hundred percent. Like if if you're in a place, if you're somewhere where you need to drink alcohol as a reason to keep you there to have fun, you need to change the people. Change the people that you're with, surroundings, and change the surround, yeah, and change the surroundings to do better things. Yeah. Like you can have a perf, like I can, ha I can have a lot more fun not drinking alcohol than mm. I will go somewhere that I don't really want to be and drink loads of alcohol. Yeah, exactly, like, exactly. I don't see that because there's m m many positive situations. Don't get me wrong; there's the occasional set celebration of someone's birthday or something like that. Yeah, I'll sure. go and enjoy it type of thing. I like, I also enjoy rather having that control over the situation I rather than feeling like I have to be put into it type of thing. Um, my next question, obviously, you've got elite jiu-jitsu, obviously doing a bit of digging, you've also got elite barbers and elite blinds as well, is Yes, that? yeah, so it's... What's the fourth one going to be? I no, think. I know. Um, so, Ethan that you rolled with today, yep. elite barbers, he has kept it in the business, obviously it's all the same, it's all run the same, and elite blinds is George Old Man, it's been a business in Bridgewater for a long, long time. Okay, cool. So, like, that's that, that's the tie between everything. So, Jiu-Jitsu is actually the newest one out it's of the, Yeah, Jiu-Jitsu is the, the, most, the most recent, yeah. Nice. So, like, so we've got the Barbers and the Blinds Company, and now we've got a Jiu-Jitsu club, so... What's the next one going to be? I don't know. Like, it could be anything, really. Like, George, George's starting turning his hand to gardening and stuff like that. We could have elite landscapers or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I think you guys might regret the all black look, obviously, for that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, right. <laughs> it might not be the No right. one's ever asked me that before. That's strange. It's, strange. it's, it's good that you've noticed that. Oh, man, I try and pick up on everything. Um, the other question I've got to get, mate, is um, your shoe collection. You seem to like your shoes a lot by the looks of things on social media and stuff. Is that right? Or Yeah, what makes you say that? I literally took a video of all of my shoes yesterday. Why did, like, how did you know that? Where, no, I feel like Narva here. I'm bringing up random yeah. stuff. <laughs> no, I just keep an eye on different things. So, uh, what have you got on your eye on next for your next shoe purchase? Then I'm I, not a massive sneakerhead, so I won't know no, exactly. But I don't know if anyone is. I've just managed to win the raffle for the Travis Scott olive uh, cactuses. I don't know. I literally. I, it's really funny that you said that because I took a video of all of my shoes yesterday. I could show you, but yeah, that's that is the most recent shoe that I've bought. Yeah. Um, but other than that, no, I I try not to spend as much money on it. I wear it like. I used to earn a lot more money. That's not me talking about earning up. So I used to waste a lot of money on buying trainers. So mm. now I, I don't earn as much money, so I don't ever buy as many. But yeah. I, I've got boxes and boxes of shoes that I've never worn that I just like keep. I just it was it was more of probably an addiction than it was anything else. Yeah. But no, that shocked me that you've said that. That's, quite, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a really good question. It's all right. Just intrigued. Like yeah. for me, I've never been. I've always liked the idea of it, and I think I've always like I, I look into it, and I think it gets too much. And like I'm a very much the case of I could probably a little bit Mark Zuckerberg here. Mm. Give me ten black t-shirts, ten pairs of pants, yeah, for and sure. I'm just living that for the rest of my I life, think, and that's it. I think I'm more like that than now than when I used <laughs> to buy loads of trainers. But if I, I was talking to Jordan about it last week when we were at Grapple Wars, I think you build an outfit from the shoe up. Like you, because you can wear whatever you want, but you need a good trainer or a good shoe on the bottom. That's I'm just my opinion. I'm surprised you guys aren't coming on wrestling shoes anymore. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right, just to make it a bit more different. Are Crocs fashionable in your opinion? Yes, I've got pairs of Crocs. There we go. Uh, Matthew. Yeah, he's looked up like they're not fashionable. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's like, like no. <laughs> he drives in his Crocs. It's yeah, so I, fuck out. Have you bought the little 
lights that go on the front of them. No, I've got giblets. I've got little giblets. Have you seen the light? Have you seen the yeah, headlights? Seen, oh, actually, you've got to have headlights on your actually, cars. You've I've seen them. like, what is it, like a Tokyo Drift one where people like put little flames spinning out yeah. the back and like turbos and I think I've seen... Um... I've got headlights on mine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really want to get like a blue belt giblet, but I'm not paying forty quid from like. Is that I think how much they cost? Level black. From a level, from level black yeah, to get it from the states, it's forty. Quid. It's about yeah, forty. It's with the, that. it's the um, postage and stuff. It's like forty quid yeah, to get it from the there. States, but um, some of the stuff they've got there is great. They've got all the belts, then they've got like. Um, oh, cauliflower ears, another one. Yeah. And also, I think if you contact them, they'll do a custom one for your gym name. That's cool. But, but looking at my phone, uh, but I don't know if I'd pay 40 quid for one. No, I, there's another couple. I think there's a GB Null. I think it's obviously the Aftermath. I think they've got a few with belts yeah. and stuff. Mm. But it is what it is. Um, cool. Right. So we talked about that. We've got that question out of the way with Instagram questions. Bosh. Yeah. I'm going to try and get them back up. You're a fucking... Bam. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Bam. You're good, man. You're good. <laughs> right, first one we had. Who's the best-looking bold guy that pops in the gym? The best-looking bold guy that pops in the gym. I'm trying to think who would have even sent that in. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to say Rob Taylor. But I think he's hanging on to a few bits of hair. Oh, or is it going to be? Matty from Inner Chimp, potentially. Because <laughs> like, yeah. but and you could probably pass both of those off as, e- as each other. But I'm guessing Matty. Yeah, Matty? Matty's the one who put it in. Uh, to be fair, I got. <laughs> I love that. I got to wait for a rash guard from it. Actually, he's got me. Got, got another one made for me, which is gonna be cool. Um, the next one we had come in was how much test does it take to get good at let box? How much test does it get? You need to do all of the tests to get good at the box. You need to do all of the tests. All of the tests. You think you're having enough already? Do more. No. (laughs) That'll be like Liver King, right? Go and get Dorian Yates testicles and start eating them and then put a bit more testosterone in there just for the sake of it. I love it. Oh, those are two questions that come through from Instagram for that, which is How all cool. How much test does it take to get good at leg loss? I'm trying to think who would have sent it. It's just like... <laughs> Mate, the amount of some, of some of the stuff we get come through all the time is absolutely yeah, hilarious when it comes to it. Um, cool. One of the questions, obviously, uh, that I had for you guys is just leaving me right now, and it's really frustrating me. No, it's not that one. Oh, God. That was it. Cool. You get the opportunity to submit Jacob Couch or Cade Rotolo. Who are you choosing to submit? I'm picking Cade Rotolo. It's more, it's, that is more of a name on your wall, in my opinion. I liked the one, I know I'm going to go off the, the, the question, I liked the one that you asked Shane Curtis. Was it Craig Jones or... Oh, Dylan Dennis, that Dylan, was it. <laughs> like, and he chose... A, a, a bit of a intuition with that, because I know that Shane does not like Dylan Dennis. Ah, oh, right, fine. Yeah. See, I, was, I was hoping you were going to give me one similar. I'm, I, can I answer that question? Oh, okay, like, Craig just, Jones like, or Dylan yeah, Dennis. Yeah, like, because, he, because he chose Craig Jones. Shut up. Because he chose Craig Jones, which is a bigger win, which is why I'd choose Cade. But I think you'd have more reach and more people like you for picking Dylan Dennis because people hate him <laughs> like so like Jacob Couch and Cade is a hard one because I like both but I think if you submitted Cade people would give you more props for that what would you be submitting Cade with I dars him because obviously he likes a dars I just have to use his own move on him <laughs> use his own move on him <laughs> yeah, so I like, love that we're going for both I can't who would you pick who would I pick oh god uh 
It's hard, isn't it? Like it's when hard. You, yeah. I'm more of a fan of Jacob Couch just because I've watched the Daisy Fresh and mm. I love the story behind it. I love I love an underdog story, like yeah. starting from nothing to something type thing. And like the way that he's dealt with it, gone up with it, and getting speaking to him in person, really sound guy. Not saying that Cade and the Botelli brothers aren't type thing. Did you think he was big when you met him in person? Uh, when I saw when I saw him for the first time at Grapplefest, I thought he was big. I, yeah. A lot bigger than when you see him on the when you watch him on Flow or anything like that. I don't know. I didn't think of him as like a monster, if that makes sense. Like, mm. big frame, big Big frame, like, yeah, exactly. That's the best way to describe it. Yeah. It's not, the thing is, mate, obviously, when you hang around with people like Lee, for example, from your place, True. like, that's when I look at him, I'm like, he's a big fucker. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think you take, you messaged me the other day, obviously, I was doing some work with my wife's company, which is to do with, like, horse products and stuff like that, and I uh, got on the horse, and, was, like, and there's, like, got a picture of me, and the comments say, I've never seen so much fear in your face ever before. <laughs> and I said, right, next time we roll, I'll pull guard in front of you, you'll yeah, probably see exactly. the same thing. <laughs> and go from there, which is funny but um, nah fair enough obviously you go with Dylan Dallas which is going for the social media approach which is very sensible nowadays obviously yeah. in terms of growing obviously with that type of thing um, cool right uh, we will do the grip test I think next and we'll leave you with the final questions so we'll double check this is alright 31 cool. I've got to warm up for this <laughs> I don't trade in the gi so like it's, it's, it's Yeah, so start from up there, bring it down to the hip. If I was you, I'd put your fingertips in. Don't go full hand in, otherwise it just doesn't so work. So have I just got to hold it for a period of time? You've got to squeeze and bring squeeze it down. All right, and it'll, it'll register the high, 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 uh, the highest. So period. above? Yeah. You tell me when, or does okay. it not matter? Three, two, one, squeeze and bring it down, bring it down, bring it down. All good. Right, let's have a look. Oh, oh what? Just, just turned off. Uh. <laughs> I've just used my best squeeze for that. All right, we'll go the other hand, left hand. You're good. So above, yeah? Yeah. All the way down, let's have a look. 119.4 on the left hand, do you want to write that down there? Is that shocking or no? No, it's pretty decent, man, it's pretty decent. Was it 119? 119.4, man. Tell me someone who's trained in the gear, have I beat anyone that's trained in the gear? Yeah, we got the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to come in the high, aren't you? Like, oh, I love it. We'll get this going again. You got, you got that down, 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 Tom, yeah? 119 on the left. 119.4 on the left, we've got to do the point, yeah, yeah, yeah. otherwise we'll get too many people. I know you put 191 there. <laughs> cool. Right. And again, yeah. with the right, go, squeeze. And there you go. Ooh, 128.4 on the right. What did Tom get? Did he get 131? T-Shell got a 103 on the right and 122 on the left. Oh, my God. I've smoked that <laughs> as well. Um, but the leader at the moment is Dan. With oh, that's that we've got. There's a there's a there's someone who's beating him. Huh? Someone's beating him from my club. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I'll check. Uh, I've got an updated form on it. So, <laughs> did you get that number down then? Yeah, I have, yeah. Oh, wicked. I'm happy with that. Mate, it's decent. <laughs> <laughs> you're you see back in the key next I know. Time. Yeah. Right, right here we go. Right hand. <laughs> yeah. Just swinging them around above your head type <laughs> thing. Like, yeah, what are you going to do now? <laughs> Love it. Love I'm it. I've surprised myself with that. It's good, mate. It's a good little number to put in there, which is really wicked. Cool. We'll sign off, obviously, the podcast with the question which we've uh, asked the previous person, obviously, with this one. All right. Um, which failure do you cherish the most? What, jiu-jitsu or... Anything. Just if I'm going down the jiu-jitsu route, there's probably been a few. Grapple Fest, the first loss at Grapple Fest hit me hard because I thought in the build-up for the 10 weeks that I trained that it was the hardest that I 
and ever trained for any competition to still go and lose. And it took me a while. It probably took me weeks and weeks to get over because it felt like because I had that big show that I was training for, even signing up to a local competition wasn't doing it for me for the motivation to come here and train. So I was mm. just... I know they say about discipline and motivation, but I was just turning up to the club and going through the motions. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't bothered. I wasn't training for a reason. So it was almost like I needed something to train for. But then, after about five or six weeks, it went. And it was almost like the shadow just went over me. Then I started enjoying it again. Yeah. But in, like for jiu-jitsu, that's probably the, num the number one. The number one. Lose yeah. it, losing Grapple Fest in front of the crowd. Like I said, all of those fears of... Maybe like feeling stupid in front of everyone, it was on the biggest stage, so yeah. that, I, that is as far as I go with that one. That's fair enough. I think your opponent as well went on to compete again, didn't he? They beat the Daisy Fresh lad who yeah. won pans, won world stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's not as if you lost uh, again. Obviously, I know it's this again, not trying to go down you the whole You did really well, well done, yeah, type <laughs> thing. It's just like the whole win or learn type statement type thing, and it's the idea of like losing to the guy who won the bracket or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, but for sure. At the same time, like I said, you got you're there fighting obviously this top echelon people and it's not as if it's going to be an easy match and on the day itself who knows it could have been a completely different yeah I lost, like I say now, now I'm over a loss is a loss I, I, I took it well as in regards to like I wasn't I wasn't bitter it was just more of the fact of now it's over what am I training for it was just one mm. of those because I put so much into it just like in my mind and just building it up yeah but, that's mm. fair man um, cool. With that being said, then, mate, obviously, this is the opportunity to plug any, obviously, the school sponsors, anything like that at all, obviously, with that. Yeah, perfect. If anyone wants a timetable for the club, um, you can always message us on Instagram at elite underscore jujitsu underscore Somerset. Um, I'll be more than happy to talk to anyone that wants to come and train. Um, a big shout out to Matty from Inner Chimp, who does all of our custom rash guards for our shows. Really, really good quality, uh, completely reasonable prices. They're just, they're brilliant, but that's, that's the only two. So I'd just like to say a massive thanks to George. I know he's not here, he should have been here, for just being probably the best, best friend and the best coach I've had in all of my jiu-jitsu journey. I really recommend coming and taking one of his classes for people that haven't trained or haven't trained here yet. The most cerebral mind in jiu-jitsu out of anyone I've met, and I, I've trained quite a few places. The so. John Danaher of exa <laughs> Yeah, exactly, in my opinion. Fair enough. But, well, uh, dude, obviously, thanks obviously for coming on and obviously allowing us to be here. I was going to say, from my perspective, if you're ever in the sort of like Bridgewater area in terms of jiu-jitsu, you guys are pretty much, you, you, anyone can drop in. Yeah, for sure, anytime, yeah. anytime. Completely. Yeah, which is wicked. And obviously, again, always in the area for doing it and making some real noticeable things. You've had the call-up to go to Grapple Fest again, which is absolutely amazing. Obviously, I'm sure obviously it'll be a different outcome this time. Both you and Jordan are both on that yeah, one. Yeah, we're both they? on the same show. Like nice. it's, it was another thing I didn't mention. It was just weird from starting in a corner for two of us training to now both of us fighting on Grapple Fest. It's probably one of the biggest shows in, in the country, so we're lucky. That'll be good. Yeah. Hopefully, we should be up there for that one as well. Um, but yeah, dude, obviously, just thanks for your time uh, and appreciate it. So I'm going to do that first. Beat you. Yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since Shane Curtis got it with me, I was like, you bastard. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>